Hello, hello, lovebirds. We're going to be doing Abraham's story and death of Sarah. And he's going to be looking, Abraham's going to be looking for a wife for Isaac. And that's whole drama and faith and trust in having God provide for Rebecca, his future wife. So cover that story today. How's it going, Mark? Pretty good. Are you feeling better? Yeah. The yeah. lights back there. <clears throat> Like new Christmas lights. Yeah, I just you know I got I got those lights for like a dollar, so I just thought I'd try it out, <laughs> trying to get fancy, you know. So I like it. <laughs> new ambiance. Maybe I'll get uh, more. I'll, I have to arrange it better next time. I don't know. I think it looks cute that way. You could probably throw in whatever you like back there. You know, you read way better than me, so. Uh, oh no. Okay. All right. I'll <laughs> give it a try here. There's a lot of these. Uh, ancient hebrew names that throw us I off know. that's okay i think they throw everybody off unless you're a native hebrew speaker so sarah lived 127 years these were the years of the life of sarah then sarah died in kiriath arba that is hebron in the land of canaan and abraham went in to mourn for sarah and to weep for her then abraham stood up from before his dead and spoke to the Hittites, saying, I am a stranger and a foreigner among you. Give me property for a burying place among you, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. So the Hittites answered Abraham, Hear us, my lord, you are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our burial places. None of us will withhold from you his burial place, that you may bury your dead. Then Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, the Hittites. He spoke with them, saying, if it be your wish that I bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns at the end of his field. Let him give it to me in your presence for the full price of a burial site. So did he buy the burial site for Sarah? Yeah, yeah I, think, I think what's going on here, and we'll find out later that... Um, most of Abraham's, uh, well, not most, I guess, but many of his descendants were also buried in the same place. Yeah. So it sounds like he wants a um, a place for his family. Like a, in fact, these caves were considered to be a tomb, and they were kind of like a nice. It was a nice place to be buried. Mm -hmm. um, and he doesn't want just you know don't just bury her with the Hittite people. So, yeah. um, and keeping in mind that he knows about the, uh, you know, the promise to inherit this land and stuff, that's, he probably realizes it's not all going to happen in his lifetime, you know, but uh, this is his, really his only chunk of land that he ever gets in the so-called promised land is this uh, tomb where he ends up as well and his sons or some, you know, some of his uh, children and grandchildren. even place for him then yeah so they keep they keep mentioning this site um and he buys it you know just like uh the king of sodom wanted to give him these gifts yeah. the spoils of war but he declined it so he's not taking anything from these uh hittites and um he's really he's trusting in god i think that's kind of the point of what's going on he's and he pays uh and it's pretty expensive he pays a lot of money for it all right, now Ephraim was sitting among the Hittites, and Ephraim the Hittite answered Abraham in the presence of all the Hittites, all who went in at the gate of a city, saying, No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field and the cave that is in it. I give it to you in the presence of the sons of my people. Bury your dead, 
Then Abraham bowed before the people of the land. Then he spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people in, of the land, saying, Indeed, if you will give it, please hear me. I will give you money for the field. Take it from me, and I will bury my dead there. Then Ephron answered Abraham. Yeah, that confirms it, that he paid money. He that. wants to pay money. Yeah, the guy offers it to him for free, but he like really, it's like he just wants to do it right you know he wants yeah. he doesn't want any uh he doesn't want any problems later on where they just take it back or something like that yeah um, i think yeah when you purchase something uh you have to have consideration meaning like both parties have to offer something even if it's just a buck so mm. he should pay at least something if he technically wants to own the land you know the gift doesn't really count so that's good that yeah yeah it's kind of legally binding and yeah. it's official and it's public as well there's all these people listening to this he's doing this in public in front of other right. witnesses you know yeah so then, you uh, think that still exists somewhere like this whole site? yeah well it must yeah I, I don't know if anyone's ever found it or if they're keep it if they cover it up or what's going on but um um it must i mean it must exist but have they discovered it and confirmed it not that i know of uh, i haven't heard anything I don't about think that i've ever heard like sarah and abraham's burial sites ever but, but maybe you know a lot of these things there's kind of like a legend or a, a an, an alleged place you know people suspect it maybe people suspect it might be a certain place but it's not yet confirmed i don't know i think it'd be hard to know where the hittites and all these areas that he's mentioning Ephron, like where are all these sites that we would know today you know well i think it's not too far because there's some place names that we do know where they are in this uh in this life of abraham um even the site of bethel which comes up later with jacob um in fact i think it already came up with abraham people have people are actually ex excavating in it and they believe they found the ancient bethel temple mm -hmm. i think it was the bethel temple yeah so there's uh, something on YouTube I saw about that. But, uh, you know, they, they probably discover some things, but other things may have just been completely erased from history and other things may be covered up, you know. I think if they wanted to find it, they could. I mean, this cave has a name. Cave of... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the Hittites have left behind uh, writing and, you know, documented history and stuff like that. That They were a major... Uh, they were kind of based somewhere else, I think, um, closer to Turkey or something. But it seems like there's debate over whether these are the same group of people or not. But it seems like some of them at least went into this area. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's kind of that's kind of like the field of archaeology and yeah. history and stuff like that. And, you know, so there's a bit of overlap sure with biblical that. studies sometimes. Yeah, I'm um, sure people, some people are probably were really curious where they were. So I'm, I'm I'll maybe look it up later to see if that actually exists today or not. Okay. All right. 14. Then Ephraim answered Abraham, saying to him, My Lord, listen to me. The land is worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between me and you? So bear your dead. Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out for Ephron 400 shekels of silver, the price that he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, according to the standard commercial measure. <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever that means well it, it is kind of funny because it's kind of like you know today we have the ucc code for commercial goods transactions oh yeah and we have i don't know about that for 
all the other transactions. So I guess they had their legal standards set for commercial standard to like figure out how much that land was worth. So that's kind uh, of yeah. So it was all like legal and official, no funny business. Uh -huh. And um, and I guess it says here that um, let's see, um, Abraham will be buried there, and Isaac and Jacob and their wives Rebecca right. and Leah were buried in the same place. So this is like a family tomb, and maybe that's what he had in mind. He's like, hey, that's a nice cave, yeah, for the family tomb. And yeah. I think that was a practice back then. People would uh, get you know they would, and even didn't Jesus go into a cave as well? Um, yep. after after the crucifixion, right? So I don't know if there's a connection there or not, but uh, probably maybe not. there's some relevance to how these cave burials, know. you know, maybe mentioned here maybe. and then it's again in Jesus' tomb. Anyway, so let me I'll finish this off okay. here. So the field of Ephraim, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave that was in it, and all the trees that were in the field that were within all the surrounding borders were deeded to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the Hittites before all who went in at the gate of his city. After this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that was in it were deeded to Abraham by the Hittites as property for a burial place. Now, this is pretty specific. You'd think it wouldn't be too hard to find this cave. Yeah, you know? <laughs> but but uh, this is like 3,000 years no, no, this is 4,000 years ago. Yeah. Are they going to find the bone? Like, how would they identify Abraham and his family exactly? You know what I mean? There's probably lots of people buried in these caves around there. So, I don't know. Yeah, but it has a name. If the name disappeared, then probably not. But it's a cave of field before Mamre, that is Hebron. That's like three pieces of information, plus the land of Canaan. So plus, Abraham was such a major figure that... You think the uh, the Jewish people or somebody would have, uh, you know, even like even like in the time of David, they would have uh, probably known about it, where it was and kind of, uh, you know, memorialized it somehow. Um, well, I have to look into that. Maybe there's Maybe, something. That, yeah, something you know, I'm sure they're if they're buried with any sort of like pottery or something like or even paper, it might have like their family emblem or something that might identify who they were uh, yeah but but you know a lot of a lot of there's a lot of opposition to confirming things in the bible obviously right so they yeah. don't uh because there's a lot of things like even the exodus there's a lot of historians that say well there's no evidence this ever even happened you know so they want these people to be fictional you know the the, the world wants these people to be fictional yeah. So they, you know, even I, if they found the cave, they'd they, they'd like cover it up pretty quickly, or they'd get paid off or something. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they want to prove the Bible because then they would have to confront that the truth of the whole thing. So yeah, I've that's told true. Them yeah. that you know whatever evidence that they have, they're going to call it something else. And even like I don't know if you have ever seen any archaeological videos, they go to great length to like prove the paganistic stuff but they do zero when it comes to anything that's actually connected to the bible you know so like absurd of absurd how they like record stuff and take it down and look at pottery. that's so true yeah, yeah. that's so true but so true nothing 
here when they're actually telling you places, things, names, like it would be not that hard for somebody who's in that field to say, hey, you know, this is probably where it is. But that's okay. God knows where it yeah. is. Well, it's because like these universities and all that stuff, academia, they kind of uh, they kind of worship their own mind, you know. Yeah. They, they worship humanity, the enlightenment, all that stuff. Uh, I was reading the other day, you know, some a scholar pointed out that uh, you, a lot of universities kind of look like churches, actually. Yeah. Especially like the libraries, they have these churches or they have these libraries and campuses that almost look the way that churches used to look. You know, because they're like temples. They're temples of uh, secular humanism. Yeah, I kind of look at it like how the very first story in Adam and Eve, like the tree of knowledge, knowing good and evil, they actually memorialize all that and put it in libraries and universities. Like that's where people go to learn all these crafts. So, yeah, yeah. All right. So, how about (laughs) Isaac and Rebecca? This is the first arranged marriage, maybe, or were there before? I don't remember. Well, there was a lot of them. I think that was the standard practice for everybody back then, for most yeah. people. So it wouldn't be the first. It may be the first one mentioned in the Bible. Yeah. Um, that I, I don't know. And let, well, at Eve, I think God kind of arranged Eve. For oh yeah, but He Adam. made her. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't count. Adam didn't have much choice. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Adam was attracted to her. she's not my type you know can you take her back you know let's exchange her (laughs) well she might have looked like him because she came from his genetic code maybe they're like well we would think that they must have been beautiful both adam and eve because that they were i'm sure god knew what he was doing yeah 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 after that it's kind of sucked for everybody else to find you know, their future wife or husband. So this story is kind of interesting too, because God's hand still in it, even though like they're kind of directing themselves to find Rebecca. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's get started. All right. Chapter 24. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who was in charge over all that he had, please place, oh, this is weird here. Please place your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, (laughs) among whom I live, but you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son, Isaac. So I guess Abraham's about to die, so he wants to make sure that this guy helps Isaac find a good wife, right? Yeah. Not from the Canaanites. But you know what this means? Place your hand under my thigh. Do you know what that's talking about? No. The thigh is a euphemism. This is a Hebraic uh, idiom for the um, for the male reproductive organs. <laughs> Why would he do that? Like, that's something they did. I, this is one of those weird things. And it's mentioned somewhere else in the Bible as well, the same kind of thing. So it's like, um, it's in fact... Uh, Let's you know what here. they used to say, like, place your hand over my head and swear. That's the common one. Yeah, this, I think possibly because, you know, back then they didn't, maybe they didn't feel so awkward about talking about this kind of stuff. But it was, you know, they recognized that this was the, how you, this is how you create descendants, right? Uh, Through these things. So that's like, a, any, you know, 
these are important things. It's like the descendants. Place your hand under the thing that I created my son through this thing. And, you know, we're going to swear on this. We're going to, we're going to, you're going to promise me by doing this little ritual, you know, that this is important. It's pretty weird, actually. But that's, I mean, that's what most scholars think this is actually saying in Hebrew scholars and all this stuff. This is like a euphemism, a figure of speech. And there's a lot of these things in the Bible. We don't do that now. I like the... Hand Some people might still do this, you know. I mean, who knows what they, you know, certain certain tribes probably still do this. Well, they if they do this, stuff. then that one might give a clue as to where all these people were and, you know, what tribes and stuff. But I've Yeah, but I mean, that. again, it's 4,000 years ago, different culture, different situation. Back then, like the, the descendants were val- so valuable back then. You know, your, your bloodlines, your... Not not, so in, not in our culture. Now, now, now we think of them as a burden, or a, <laughs> you know, back then. But back then, they were they were they were like the main asset. Nowadays, people think about their house or their car or yeah. whatever. But I think back then, it was like the children were like were like vital to survival, even you know. Yeah. It, uh, we just so was, that. Yeah. Okay. So this is this is one of those things that just shows the importance of their descendants, something like that. It, it's not really even a sexual thing. It's more about the, uh, you know, this, yeah, this, this like is an important, uh, yeah. yeah, it just shows that this is a, like, like like you're making an oath promise. You're making a promise and we're going to see it. It's kind of like a little covenant ritual almost, you know, They're, they made a little covenant there, I think, an agreement, yeah. a promise. Um, then the servant said to him, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? So, uh, so it sounds like the woman could kind of choose, right? She, they could find a wife, but she, if she didn't want to, she didn't have to, right? She didn't have that's to. That's a get good married. thing. I think that's true for most <laughs> arranged marriages. Like uh, in India, before the modern age, mm-hmm. it was all done by arranged marriages. Mm-hmm. So it would be the the woman. You know, they would go visit. The family would come to each other's houses and arrange that. And then the meet and greet kind of thing. And I think it's the woman who would say yes or no. Although that probably got changed because, no, I think there's a difference between how Jewish arranged marriages work and how Indian arranged marriages work. So in Jewish culture, uh, the, the dowry would be given to the woman, not the man. Because the husband would prepare a place, he would bring all the asses to the woman, and she's the one who's choosing. So that's why she's going to get um, gold and stuff. But in, in, in Indian practice, it's the dowry goes to the husband. So oh, wow. the people that have girls, and it's a really bad thing that happens in India, they're totally burdened by that fact that if they have a girl, then they have to, like, their whole lives save up for this dowry that's mm. going to go to the husband's family. And the husband's family is the extended family. Like his parents live with him. So all yeah. of this kind of transferred and she's just kind of property that enters their house. So mm. the whole practice over there, you know, they, all the, the girls end up getting abused. Many get killed for not having a proper dowry. Um, and then, you know, even uh, they specifically like to abort 
uh, girl babies, you know, because they don't want that burden their whole life. They got to have a son. Son brings in the wealth, daughter takes it, gives it away. So that's been like the dark, ugly sins huh. of India where women are not revered. And, you know, like with the modern technology, <laughs> even they can abort, you know, knowing that it's a girl because they can see it now. So it's just an ugly thing. But it's I, so it's, strange because this is like, this is just a custom tradition. Yeah. This is a tradition that they could just stop doing it. They could just change the system, but they can't. But it's like, like there's no law for there's no they don't have to do these this dowry system, but yet they they keep doing it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's an even. Why illegal. don't they just change it? It's illegal. Because it's the way the whole society is set up from, and nobody's gonna buck it now. You know, and like if you have like a bell curve, you got like super poor and the super rich and all the middle. The mm. middle is just like going along with all the cultural traditions and making it harder where nobody it's like, it's almost like they're, it's their business to get dowry, you know, on the, on the. Wow. I didn't know about that. Yeah. So it's, it's always a transaction, you know? So Mm. I don't think it's going to be that easy just because they're financially tied to the whole system. Um, but I like the yeah. Jewish way better if they're going to do that because it was a husband who has to prepare to get that wife. Yeah. So, yeah. and that ensures that he'll actually take care of her and possess. That kind of makes some more sense. Yeah, that's how it is in most places. I think that that have a dowry. Right. You know. Not in India. So it's like huh. you know, the women are just. If it's not enough, many of them are killed. There's so many families in prison just because they keep killing their daughter-in-laws for money so but that's just a side tidbit that <laughs> let's go back wow. to amazing yeah all right now uh let's see okay all right so verse six abraham said to him see to it that you do not take my son back there the Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's family and from the land of my relatives, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I will give this land. He shall send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. He shall send. So, so Abraham's telling his servant, God will send his angel before you. You shall take a wife for my son from there. If the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from my oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. (laughs) You know what's interesting there, though? Like, even if God ordained it to, like, send the angel ahead of him to find her, it was still always up to her whether she was going to follow him back or not. Mm. So that could have changed the story entirely. So even if God intervenes, it's still up to the free will of that person. Well, unless unless God puts it in her mind to, yeah, accept. It's it's kind of that whole determinism and free will issue that Paul talks about regarding these chapters here. Actually, that we can talk about later. Yeah, um, like ultimately, we see like through all these historical narratives in Genesis, we can see the hand of God working through these people. Yeah. And, and he even chooses people, but yet it does seem like people also kind of respond to him as well. 
So it's it's yeah. that balance that that uh, theologians are still debating. You know, like how much in, in like salvation. You know, how much it, how much of it comes from us and how much of it is from God. You know, do we do we really choose or does God choose us? And and there's nothing we can do about it. You know what I mean? Like uh, God chose me to be mm -hmm. saved, so of course I'm going to be saved, and I'm, of course I'm going to respond favorably. Our, um, our, what we do matters. What our choices seems are. Seems like matters. it. <clears throat> so yeah. I don't think it's all one sided. Like you know, perhaps God did choose me to be in His kingdom, but it was still always my choice whether I was going to respond or not. Yeah. Well, actually, Paul talks about that in Romans 9 regarding Jacob and Esau, which we're coming up to pretty soon. So uh, we'll we'll circle back okay. <laughs> we'll circle to that back. topic. Yeah. All right. All right. <clears throat> Where are we at now? Here, 10. And one of my cats just came in the room, by the way. So uh, <laughs> that's fun. Well, that'll be exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll probably go back to his place. <clears throat> Peanut. Peanut's Peanut. in the house. Well, that sounds good. Peanut's in the house. <laughs> All right. All right. He looks like a little peanut. That's why I named him Peanut. All right. All right. Um, verse 12? No, verse okay. 10. Then the servant took 10 of his master's camels. That's a lot of camels. Ooh. And departed for all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and went to the city of Nahor in Aram, Nahar, Ram. He made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water in the evening when the woman came out to draw water. So it's the woman at the well, yeah. which is like another thing you see all the time. It's kind of almost like a a theme, an, a, liter, a literary thing that I think a lot of the ancient literature has this. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what it means really necessarily, well, but it's it's kind of it kind of like it seems kind of archetypal. You I know? think when uh, Jesus was talking to the woman at the well. Um, yeah, she, I think it had to do with the fact that he was a living water that no one would thirst mm. again. So yeah, yeah, it's a reference to him as living water. Where yeah, now, we could look at that verse later if you want, John. That's John four, I think. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So you think these these stories back in uh, in Genesis? You think they're uh, do you think that was kind of they're kind of pointing back? There's a connection yep. there, maybe. Always, okay. yeah. Well, let's so, go. Uh, let's check that out. Do you want yeah. to check it out later after this? Uh, you want to go right now? <laughs> John four, I think it's John four. Oh, there it is. They are the Samaritan woman. Yeah. Um, verse seven, a woman of Samaria came there to draw water. Jesus said to her, "Give me a drink." Um, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. I think the Samaritans were like from the northern tribes. Is that right? Or there were some, there were, um, they, they were had different beliefs. Favored. They were like the bottom yeah. of the world. And they, they used to worship at Bethel, which is another thing we'll, we'll see pretty soon coming up in this in genesis uh they had like they didn't go they didn't recognize jerusalem i think was a, a big issue there but they were they were believers but they um they had they were like a different denomination or something they, they were not like yeah the jews didn't like them yeah there was some issue with these people but uh i guess we'll, we'll figure out later more. what they i know there was a lot of stuff said about samaritans yeah, but the, but they're historically, I think they came from the Bethel, uh, 
faction. They were like factional uh, Israelites, and they they kind of broke off at some point, and they were enemies. Um, but so Jesus, so the Jews didn't, you know, the Jews hated the Samaritans, but here's Jesus, a Jew, talking to this woman. Jesus mm -hmm. answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is you're saying, and who it is who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He would have so given you living that. water. Um, where do you, where do you, <clears throat> where then do you get this living water? You're greater than, oh, here's Jacob right here. You are greater than our father Jacob, who gave us a well. So this well, this might be the same well. Yeah. That uh, that I mean, I don't know if it's this one now in Genesis or a different one, but who gave us the well? We've seen the well a few times, uh, and that comes up in Genesis, and drank from it himself along with his sons and his livestock. Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I shall give him will become in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. So you know why the wow. whole, whole reference been going on this whole time in Genesis? Is because What's, you have to physically make the well, dig it up, and because, you know, they're in that place where you don't get running water. And you know how they were fighting over the wells all the time? Yeah. Once you go get through the actual physical well, then you have to physically draw water from it every time you need any sort of water. So it's constant. Like people don't probably appreciate that today because we have faucets. Mm. But yeah. back then it was chores of all chores, you know, mm. get this water. And if it dried up, you're screwed. So I think what, you know, what he's saying here that whoever, uh, where was it again? Something reference that you will always have to constantly thirst. Where is that? Oh, here it is. Everyone who drinks of water will thirst again. So it's like constant repetition of like going to this well to get the water where he's saying with me, you know, you'll never thirst again and you'll never need to. Well, of water yeah. into <laughs> life. Oh, and that's yeah, another reference. Yeah. Um, in the like when the whole heaven and earth will be restored. Yeah. That well of water, that well probably is going to exist in the new, new heaven and new earth. Yep. And uh, yeah, eternal life. So, um, and it also reminds me of like the, uh, like the, we see this motif of uh, land, like they're trying, you know, the, the promised land, they're trying to conquer the land from the Canaanites. And, um, and so they have the wells are a very important part of that. But really the land, the true, <clears throat> the true promised land is uh, like a, the, the new heavens and the new earth. Yeah. Right. The spiritual it's, Jesus kind of spiritualizes all these promises to the uh, the new the kingdom of God, not just a piece of land, not just a literal. See, and that's a big difference in eschatology views is that people take prophecy hyper literally, but they're, they're stuck in the material. You know, they they think a, yeah. they think a specific temple will come down from heaven onto a specific piece of land. You know, like in the Middle East or in, in modern day Israel, even. Well, and, there will and be a new Jerusalem in that Pacific piece of land. But no, uh, the now, whole world, the whole world will be yeah. New Jerusalem. The entire world. There, there will be nothing that is not New Jerusalem. Right. The, I mean, the whole the world, the whole world will be the temple. Right. The whole world will be the temple of God. Yeah. Except. So that's. 
there is a little bit of real estate that's going to be because it has eight or 12 gates and they're very specific, like huge pearl. Symbolic um, or literal is the question. And that one's literal. <laughs> we'll get to it. So I know that's going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that later. But um, here's the other interesting part here. So this is what I was trying to say. So like she said, sir, give me this water so I will not thirst nor come here to draw. So that was a big thing that they always had to do. Yeah. Labor, toil. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of the curse, I think. It's it's not that like in the Garden of Eden, I think they still had to work. They still had a job to do, Adam and Eve, before the fall. They, they were supposed to expand the Garden of Eden into the whole world. They were supposed to turn the whole world into this temple of God. And the Garden of Eden was like a temple and Adam Adam was like a priest and a king. And um but the curse was that work would be become very difficult taking care of the land would become more difficult yeah and drawing from the water from the well would be difficult i think in the garden of eden it was easy to get water right oh, i'm sure and uh, yeah so now it became a lot more difficult just to survive it became a real struggle to just survive whereas i think the garden of eden paradise it and was a little easier to survive in most villages it was usually the women's duty to go fetch water so yeah probably uh chore to have to do that and then and then jesus says uh, like she had like so now it's like uh, isaac going to find a wife but this woman the samaritan woman had like seven husbands or something she has no husband but jesus said to her you're right in saying i have no husband for you have had five husbands and he he whom you now have is not your husband so you have spoken truthfully <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I perceive you're a prophet. Yeah, I, our fathers worshipped on this mountain. Yeah, see, there, there's the Samaritan thing. They worshipped on this mountain in this different place. But you all say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So there, there you can see the difference in the Samaritans and the in the Jews. Yeah. And the mountain, I believe, was Bethel, which we're going to see. That's where Jacob uh, has that. That's the ladder, the uh, Jacob's ladder um okay. thing that's coming up pretty soon and uh and then okay let's let's read this we're kind of going off on a bit of a tangent here but but yeah. it is connected jesus said to her woman believe me the hour is coming when neither this on this mountain nor in jerusalem will you worship the father see jerusalem is has an expiration date right yeah. you worship what you do not know we know what we worship for salvation is of the jews yet the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Yeah. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Yeah. Um, oh, and I believe this is the first time Jesus admitted to anybody that he was the Messiah, because it says here, uh, I know the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us, Thing, all things jesus said to her i who speak to you am he ah. i think that's the first time he because he always kind of concealed it right from people yeah. and this is john john's a little different from the other gospels but uh and he talks about water a, a lot i guess you know john john talks about water a lot he uses that word a lot in his gospel so um well it has a huge good... significance to that living water like he is the living yeah water. Yeah, exactly. So uh, anyway, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a good connection. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, where were we in Abraham? Um, 
the woman came down to draw water, verse 12. Then he said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, please let me have success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let it be that the young woman to whom I shall say, please lower your picture, pitcher, that I may drink, and she shall say, drink, and I will give you your camel's water also. Let her be the one that you have appointed for your servant Isaac. Then I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. So here Before the he, reference oh. where all the women go fetch water. See, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming to draw water. Maybe that's that was the place to go uh, meet girls, you know? <laughs> it kind of makes sense. If you're a guy, you're like, yeah. hey, where are the girls going to be? They're going to be at the well. Let's go check out the girls at the well. I get it. Yeah. I get that. <laughs> that's probably what it is. This whole water, the woman at the well thing was that's where the women were. And that's where the guys went to go check them out. Oh, wow. Seriously. That I was. I got to go find a well somewhere. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I think that was the thing back then. Maybe I'll know? just stand by my faucet. Maybe somebody yeah. else. Who knows? That's the, that's uh, right. that's how they did it. That's how they found their women, and the women probably got all dressed up, you know, and they went up into the well, and because they knew the guys would be there checking them out. Isn't, isn't that how Jacob met Rebecca too? By the yeah, way, yeah, you see this a lot. Yeah, uh, that was the thing. That was like like uh, that was where they went to meet girls. It's like the grocery store uh, relationships. <laughs> uh, yeah, something. I mean, where else are they going to go to see the girls? Right? I mean. Well, I mean, God is looking up <laughs> for all these guys. I know, but yeah. Yeah, that that was probably the thing. It was like the cultural norm back then. Let's oh, you gotta find a wife, go to the well. That's where the women are gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen up, sense. all the guys go look for a well. Well, what happens right. today then? Where do they go? There's no wells. I think I mean for me, for a lot of people, I think the key is to uh stop trying. Uh, stop yeah. trying to like get married because like just just stop trying and then someone will you'll meet somebody kind of accidentally you know i mean that's kind of what happened to me <clears throat> but uh where did you, you meet know, your way i was i was living in tokyo at the time ah. but uh yeah it was just kind of a just a random thing you know that was uh with some co-workers and stuff and uh but it was but i was like getting really burnt out on the dating scene you know and sick yeah. of it and um where I guess I kind of used to enjoy that stuff when I was younger, but I was getting like, I was just like, no, this, I'm just sick of it. You know, I got to take a break from all this. Oh, yeah. you know? So, you, so you I think it's, quick. and you have to be ready, you know, like, like, uh, like for men too, like, like I didn't want to get married when I was younger. I was, yeah. I was just against the whole institution, I guess. But uh, <laughs> so I was trying, I was trying not to get married, you know, and like women always like wanted to marry me and stuff. And I was just like, how do I, you know, <laughs> it's driving me crazy and uh oh, but finally uh, yeah i mean that's just i don't know it's kind of weird but that's how it was but um then finally like uh, i think finally i was kind of then i became kind of open to the idea of it you know and uh, <laughs> well i guess you know. when the timing is right with the right person yeah i think for guys they have to uh i mean they get married when they're ready to get married you know like there's a time in a lot of guys lives when they just they just don't want to get married you know and they're trying to they want to like date women but they don't want to get married but the women usually do mm -hmm. kind of want to get serious and get married so there's always that uh 
struggle, you know. That's because the way <laughs> they do it today, the dating scene is horrible. Because one, you can like instantly, you know, connect with somebody just for casual stuff. Nobody's actually looking. But in the same time, on the underlying theme, why they're wanting to do all that is to find somebody and get married. You know, but then they keep rotating over and over and over and then it just becomes a whole thing. So yeah, I, I think it's difficult yeah. for people today to actually meet. So in a way, it would be nice if God was directing all these stories even today. You know, Yeah, I mean, like social media kind of uh, is, I mean, I think that's people are relating to each other through social media and they don't know how to relate to each other in real life. You know, that's an yeah. issue. And then. Then you got these dating apps and stuff. It's it's almost like uh, you order up a pizza or something, you know. You yeah, order up a, it's, a, it's, a a date or a woman, or and it's like, um, but this, yeah, this is like trusting in God, right? You know, and um, and being being choosy, you know, like like don't just go. I'm, I'm sure these Canaanite women were were quite attractive. Yeah, and uh, we see yeah. that uh, Solomon and these other guys and Esau and a lot of these guys. You know, they they went off with the Canaanite women. Right. They're probably pretty attractive, you know, but um, but it, it kind of ended in disaster. They had a lot of problems, and right. they ended up worshiping other gods, you know. So um, so they had to be selective, like not just don't just go for the beautiful Canaanite women. Mm. Find a certain you know a godly woman, that kind of thing, you know. So they had some criteria. Um, they had they they were careful in who they chose as a partner. You know, well, also careful. the family was involved to help find that wife, you know, so it was yeah. the father, which is a blessing if the father is involved saying, you know, go find this. And then on top of that, you know, he had wealth and servants to go and do all this work. Like it'd be like the dating app of that day, you know, to have the servants sent out to go meet somebody. And then so I think it's a whole cultural thing plus God and then just the circumstances that would allow to meet the right kind of husband or wife where we don't know anything about that kind of stuff today. You know, everybody's kind of doing that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't even grow up in a home that had two parents, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like the whole, I didn't even know what a family was really, right. you know, like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. God did help you, though. Like it eventually happened, you know. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, fifteen. Um, yeah. That's all right. Before he had finished speaking, Rebecca, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milka, the wife of Nahor, and I think we got a genealogy before this to explain yeah. who these people are. Abraham's brother. So the wife. Son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother. So they, these are relatives. These are like these would be like cousins, maybe, huh? Uh, you know, Isaac's it's weird cousins. that they weren't actually seeking uh, somebody from the brothers or cousin line. It was just random that she was there. You know, she's related, they want, but they wanted someone from. Uh, well, didn't they want someone from his? His didn't land. they want. Yeah, his, he, they wanted his relative, but yeah, yeah. So oh, she, right. it could have been some other woman could have showed up. Right. That's a good point. Yeah, well, that's where you see the hand of God directing. Yeah. This right. Abraham's brother came out with a pitcher on her shoulder. The young woman was very beautiful to look at, a virgin. 
Or I think it also means a young woman of marriageable age. And no man had ever been with her. So that clarifies that. (laughs) She went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. Then the servant ran. It could have been too, you know, like parents would send the virgin daughters out to get the water. And if they got married, then maybe they stopped going out there. You know what I mean? Who knows? Like culturally, you know, how like you were just talking about how a certain way things work a certain way in India. Maybe that was the system back then. Because these things eventually become kind of institutionalized. I think they were, women were just, that was their chore. And it just happened to be tied to all these other things that are brought out. But they knew, but like, if you're a guy, you're like, where, where can I go meet a woman? That you go to the well, you know what I mean? Guys are clever that way, you know? (laughs) Oh, maybe you're saying the servant probably knew. That's why he went to the well. But yeah, where is he going to go? He's going to go door yeah. to door. Do you do you guys have a daughter? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. So he probably knew that's how he was going to do it. Yeah. Didn't he say earlier, like if she brings water to the camels, then that's how? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think that was the social scene. That was the the dating scene. Yeah, well, we don't that... have a well these days. <laughs> Now right. people go to the bar, I yeah, guess. That, that, some people go to church. Some oh. people go to church to meet people, uh, you know. Yeah. So, All right, um, moving on. So she said, uh, drink, my Lord. Then she quickly let down her picture, pitcher to her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, trough and ran to the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. The man gazing at her remained silent, trying to discern whether the Lord had made his journey a success or not. Interesting. Yeah. So he's kind of relying on God. Like, it's interesting how this, it's like God has his plan, and but he's participating, and he he's like, is God, is this it or not? You know, he's, he's yeah. kind of still, he's in the, it's like he's a, it's like he's a character in the story. God's the producer or the, God's the director of the show. He's a screenwriter. and He's a character in God's story, but he doesn't know for sure if this is, he doesn't know what's going to happen next though. You know what I mean? That's like all of us today. We never. Yeah, we don't have this. We, we don't, well, we kind of have a, the script to a certain yeah. degree with the Bible, but um but not yeah, day kind of thing where you're wondering yeah yeah you know? not that specific necessarily yeah. yeah yeah like what to do next or is it what choice to make right. what decisions to make we have to rely on god somehow and, and uh yeah when uh when the camels had finished drinking the man took a gold nose ring and half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her wrists and 10 shekels weight in gold and said whose daughter are you <laughs> that's a good pickup line i should have i should have tried that in the past whose daughter are you <laughs> please tell me is there a room in your father's house for us to lodge wow that's pretty bold whose yeah, daughter are you all this gold and stuff <laughs> to give her i think men should use this line when they meet a girl <laughs> they like seriously it'd be interesting to see how they respond well, I don't know. How would you respond? Well, what do you expect a girl to say? I think they'd like it, actually. I think because yeah. it goes back to the traditional values, okay. traditional yeah. ways. I think they'd, I think they'd, uh, they'd, they'd like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's something no one says anymore. So you know, they'd. Uh, you should ask your wife that today. Who's daughter are you? 
Well, I kind of know whose daughter she is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. Again, she said to him, we have both straw and provision enough and room in which to lodge. Then the man bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of my master, Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me, the Lord led me to the house of my master's relatives. Okay. So the young woman ran and told her mother's household of these things. Now Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran out to the man at the well. Then he saw the nose ring and bracelets on his sister's hands. And when he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, saying, This is what the man said to me. He went to the man who stood by the camels at the well, and he said, Come in, blessed of the, blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. Ten camels, by the way. So, so the man came to the house. Then he unloaded his camels and gave straw and provision to the camels and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. He then set food before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have, until I have told about my errand. And he said, speak on. He said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become wealthy. He has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and male and female servants and camels and donkeys. Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and he has given to him all that wait, and he has given to him all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You must not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I live. But you shall go to my father's house and to my relatives and take a wife for my son. So I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. Then he said to me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way, and you will take a wife for my son, for my relatives, and from my father's house. You will be free from my oath when you come to my family, if they will not give her to you. Then you will be released from my oath. So today I came to the well and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if you will now give me success in my task, I am standing by the well of water, and let it be that when the virgin comes forth to draw water, see, they know the virgins are coming forth to draw water at the well. <laughs> yeah. And I say to her, please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink. In fact, there's a song. Isn't there a song called Give Me a Little Water? There is. There's a folk, like an old song. There's songs about this kind of stuff. Give <laughs> me a little water. It's a folk song. Bob Dylan did it and some other people. Oh, like, yeah. give me a little water, you know, from your well. This is like, you know, it's a song's about this. It's a love song, you know. Courtship oh, I song. wish I could play that song for this thing. But and she says to me, drink, and I will also draw for your camels. Let her be the woman who the Lord has appointed for my master's son. So it's like it's like it was a little code word. Like he like like they knew they knew what words she was gonna say. You know what I mean? Like um like if she said if she says to me, if she says to you this thing, then she will she's the woman. Oh um, yeah. yeah. Well, isn't that what they already, I, I don't know if it was a custom or is that what he thought in his head? Like, if she does this, then she has to be the right one. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, this is more like, um, like, how do how does how does the servant know if it's the right woman or not? She was going to respond this way. Yeah. I don't think that was a cultural thing. That was like a God uh, right, prophetic exactly. thing. Yeah. 
And also, you know, uh, so Abraham was wealthy, and now Isaac is wealthy. So basically, you have this like like a, almost like a prince, like yeah. you have the servant of a prince going to this uh, different country to get to find a wife for the prince. And they probably recognized if this guy's showing up with ten camels and a bunch of people. Oh yeah, they represent a wealthy prince. Yeah, in a different land, and it's like, hey, look at a wealthy guy's come to take our daughter to marry. This yeah, is, uh, had a clue. This, this is a good thing. <laughs> like, if we had like a guy show up with ten cars or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone shows up with an entourage to your, yeah. you know, and says, "Hey, I want to take your daughter to go marry the prince." You know, <laughs> people would be like, "Hey, cool." Yeah. <laughs> you go. Yeah. yeah. So um, then she then quickly let her down her pitcher from her shoulder and said, "Drink, and I will give." your camels a drink also. So I drank and she gave the camels a drink also. Then I said to her, so he's like giving the play by play, whose daughter are you? And she said, the daughter of Bethuel, now her son who Milka bore for him. So I put the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrist. <clears throat> and I bowed down my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, who had led me in the right way to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. And now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me so that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Whoa. So he recognized that God helped him with. Oh yeah. Yeah. So at that yeah. point, he probably knew. And the other thing was that all these jewels that he's given her, um, they're probably yeah. a significant amount, you know, in gold that he was. Given. Yeah. Um, yeah, Abraham was wealthy, and Isaac. Now yeah. Isaac has that inheritance. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it was a bit. It would be a big uh, spectacle, you know. This, uh, mm -hmm. so it'd be hard for her to say no. Actually, to be honest, right? So, well, then yeah. Laban, but she and she and she's never met. She's never seen Isaac yet. Right. So imagine from her perspective, all she knows. Well, before she even took the jewels or knew anything about that. She was just acting kindly, right? So she was just reciprocating uh, the hospitality of just being there. So that's how he knew that she was a good woman. But then she was trusting him, like without ever seeing who this guy was, Isaac. And I think that took a lot of faith on her part too, that this was meant for her, you know? So imagine like any woman having to face that. It would be super tough if they never knew anything about what they were getting into. She knew he was wealthy. Yeah, but I don't know if that really enticed her. You think it was like the gold that did it? Well, it probably made a good first impression at least, you yeah. know what I mean? I mean that obviously you want the, you know, the woman would want a uh, to meet the man and that matters as well, but it, you know the good. It was like a good first impression, at least. It's like, yeah. oh wow, there's there's potential here. This is a good. We're off to a good start, at least. I mean, Isaac um, could have been super ugly and gross too. Yeah. Well, they meet later on, so we'll see. Yeah. Uh, maybe see the reaction then. But uh, all right. So verse fifty, and then Laban said to Bethuel, answered and said, "This thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak." to you good, bad or good here's rebecca before you take her and go and let her be the wife of your master's son as the lord has spoken so basically it's like this is god's will we can't 
interfere with that. We can't change nope. what God has decided to do. We cannot change it. Yeah. You know? Who's saying this? Uh, then Laban. Laban. Yeah, the father, right? No, this is the That's this well. is Rebecca's brother. Okay, yeah. No, I don't know. Did these people well, I guess they, they knew about God. Yeah. Um, well they're they, from uh, the same family tribe, right? Well their their brother, although uh Abraham's brother was not necessarily we don't know, like was he a did he follow God? Yeah. Um you know, it's, it's. I guess they don't really tell us, but it, it sounds like he does know who God is a bit. At, at least he understands that God is uh, has this plan, and so he'd better just go along with it. You know. Yeah, I think it's a good. So, uh, yeah, and uh, fifty-two. When Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Then the servant brought out jewels of silver and gold, and clothing. And gave them to Rebecca. So it's kind of like a dowry there, right? Yeah, it's, it's a dowry. It is dowry. That's exactly what it looks yeah. like. I, I had to do that here. I because uh, my wife's from Thailand. I I uh, had to give a dowry. Oh really? Gold to, to money. Wife's family to, to her mother. Yeah. Oh okay. But to it's the still wife's coming from you. Uh, Came from me. Yeah. There's a, they have a dowry system here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they and, do. and you know, you know what happened. One of one of her, uh, I think one of her nephews was dating this girl, like in in high school, and uh, but then in college they broke up, and and the the family of the woman demanded that he pay them money. Oh really? Like they were not married; they were just dating, right? Just yeah. young teenagers dating. But then they did not go ahead and get married, right? They broke up. Yeah. But then they like they like took him to court even and said, "You have to pay. You have to pay us money." Because you dated our daughter for like three years. <laughs> oh. Well, it's kind of almost in that culture. It's almost like defiling the woman. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Because they, I think everyone just thought they're going to get married, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's it's kind of funny though. Yeah. So. Well, I yeah. So I notice a lot of that stuff here. They have a lot of certain, you know, it's more traditional. You know, yeah. more traditional. Well, and, and they actually do have, the the, they, yeah, and you know, extended. Everyone lives yeah. with extended family and all that stuff. They're, they're, the family unit is much stronger here than it is in the United States. Oh, yeah, far, no. far, far. I see your kitty there, Peanut. Oh, that's uh, hey, Lulu. That's Lulu. He's checking um, out the light. That's a good pose. He's posing for the camera. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. See, no one has backgrounds like that. So. <laughs> Well, yeah. I want to see it, so I'm going to stop. Let me see. There it is. For no other reason, people should watch this to see the cats <laughs> in the back. <laughs> He's all impressed. Wow. Okay. Well, let's. That's a large cat. This cat is large. He's like a little. He's like a little cheetah or something. He, He's, uh, he's 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 almost as large as the predatory cats, you know. And he is wow. a vicious predator, but he's never scratched or bit me ever. Very Maybe gentle like a mountain lion. Mountain lion, yeah, that's kind of what he looks like. Actually, he may have some. Maybe he's oh, now he's walking down the piano. <laughs> and you, you can't see. You, I don't think you can see the piano back there, can you? No, not too well. He's walking on the piano. Now he's going right, to jump and fall we? down. All right, fifty-two. Yeah. When Abraham's servant, no wait, yeah, no, I read that already. The next okay. morning they arose, and he said, "Send me away to my master." Verse fifty-five. 
So he just gave the dowry to the woman yeah. and to the family as well, right? He gave stuff to the, the mother and the brother, 55. Yeah. But her brother and her mother said, let the young woman remain with us a few days, um, at least 10. After that, she may go. So he said to them, do not delay me, seeing the Lord has given me success. Let me go that I may go to my master. They said, we will call the girl and ask her. Then they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent so they sent away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. They blessed Rebecca and said to her, may you, our sister, become the mother of thousands of ten thousands. <laughs> and may your descendants possess the gate of those who hate them. That's a blessing in prophecy. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Wow. They should read this at like weddings or something, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, may your descendants but, possess the gate of those who hate them. <laughs> it's in line with God or what already had planned anyway through her. Except yeah. it gets a little weirder later because she's also uh, barren, right? So, like, look at this prophecy. And then yeah. what happens later where Isaac has to pray for her. Um, womb to be open and God does open it but it's interesting that every woman pretty much was barren throughout this whole uh, Abraham storyline Sarah Rebecca and I think there's even a few more after that Rachel she was also barren yeah that shows God is doing this and that's what Paul talks about in Romans 9 that we can look at one of these you know eventually one of these episodes that relate back to Jacob and Esau especially how God God chooses you know who who he's going to work with the yeah. the elect basically God chooses God chose Jacob and not God chose Jacob and not Esau in the womb even though right. Esau was the elder so it's kind of like um, God chooses the, these barren women to demonstrate that God is the one creating this kingdom. He's creating a kingdom of God on earth. God is doing it. These people didn't earn this necessarily. They're, they're, they, they, uh, they submit to God's will. Yeah, and I think it's a sharp yeah. contrast with this verse here, with the blessing, because we don't know she's barren uh, until later. Yeah, so. we don't know. And he doesn't, obviously, if he would have known that, he probably would have right. chose a different woman, you know? Yeah. So, unless, he, unless he was trusting in God quite a bit, you know? I think they all are. And even this blessing, I think it actually was correct blessing. Um, yeah. And how did they know? Like like God put it in their hearts to say right. this blessing probably, you know? And it's giving out it's, a little prophecy too that this is kind you know, of... And, re and really all this is, um, this is really goes back to Genesis one twenty eight: the uh, be fruitful and multiply and yep. expand this kingdom of God on earth. That's that's our job. You know, God has delegated, you know, God could have just done it himself if he wanted to, I guess, but he wants but us to participate. Being fruitful and multiply when all these generational women are like, started out barren <laughs> you know it, 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 and they so, so god is doing it god's working yeah. with god's using these people to do his will and these people are participating and they get to experience uh they get to work with god you know yeah. i think that's yeah. the amazing part though where he's showing us over and over that he's taking something that's infertile and making it fertile yeah 
Yeah, just like he created the world out of the, uh, yeah. the the void, the lifeless void of the abyss. Right, exactly. So, um, yeah, God's, you know, that's the 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 main point of what's happening is is it's Abraham is kind of like a new Adam, right? Yeah. Adam and Eve, and then and now Isaac hit, takes the throne or the torch. Isaac is now carrying that torch to to be fruitful and multiply and uh, subdue the but earth. It also create the kingdom of God, God on earth can take anyone, the fruitless person, and make them fruitful. And I don't mean yeah. just in um, uh, children, but in all ways, right? So it's like, yeah, yeah. take the yeah. void and make it into something. And and then, and so Jesus met that woman at the well, who was not a virgin. Oh, yeah. She had five husbands, and now she was living with some guys she wasn't married to. So she was kind of almost a like the opposite of Rebecca, yeah, and and, and the kind of person that the Jews hated, and uh, so she was like a not not exactly a righteous woman necessarily, right? So it's like, but yet God told her she was uh, he was the Messiah. He was the first the first person Jesus told who he really was. I think it also shows a transition from virgins going to the well, and then ended up how sin prospered by jesus's time that women yeah. were no longer virgins coming to the, the you well. you could imagine eventually prostitutes would start going to yeah. the well to right. uh, it's kind of like, like these dating apps now like um the, the, now the prostitutes use them well you know? i think as soon as that, dating apps happened like <laughs> tinder and all these other they all became prostitutes both men and women <laughs> that, that's that's exactly what they are it doesn't even matter if they you know yeah yeah. 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 It's exactly. Yeah. It's the, the, the modern day. It's, it's the same concept as what's going on really, but it's uh techno using yeah. technology, but it's the, the, the heart is the, still the problem here. All right. So uh, now why does she have a nurse? Remember that we just read that a few verses previously. I just yeah. thought that was kind of weird. Rebecca and her nurse. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> is <laughs> Who's that? that? Like a nanny maybe? <laughs> How old is Rebecca? You know what I mean? <laughs> she's, she's probably not. She's probably like 16 or something. You know, she's probably not that old. Maybe um, it's the nurses that raised the kid like a nanny. You know, I guess. But she's a little old for that, though. If she's about to get married, she doesn't need a yeah. nanny anymore. I don't it's know. It's kind of weird. I don't know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> now, Isaac came. Uh, now, Isaac came from the way of Be'er, Lahai, Roy. Or he lived in the Negev. Oh, so Isaac is coming now. So Isaac went out in the evening to meditate in the field. And he, or, you know, some people say maybe he was just walking in the field or whatever. He went out in the field and he lifted up his eyes and looked and surely the camels were coming. The camels are coming. <laughs> there, there needs to be a song. There needs to be a song about that. You should do one. You should do a song. I think I'm going to write a song about this whole chapter. This is very. Uh, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. The woman at the and, well and the something yeah. about the well and the camera. There's a lot of songs about this. I'll have to look into it. And uh, and Rebecca lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel, and said to the servant, "Who is this man walking in the field to meet us?" The servant said, "It is my master." <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, she took a veil and covered herself. So she put on her mask. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't want to infect 
Isaac? No, okay. I guess not. But that's their modesty veil. Do they do that in India? Do the women wear yeah. the veil? Well, the whole modesty thing actually up up until recently, but before uh, I would say the seventies or even a little bit earlier, women could not really just go freely with their you know, uncovered heads and like if they were around company of men, they would take yeah. their what they call uh, the veil that they wear, right? And they would cover it. Like really that. cover their face. Yeah. So like as they were walking and then once the men are gone. Yeah. And then also the Muslim community lives there too, so they wear the burqa. So there's a lot, huge population of uh -huh. women that you can't even see their eyes because they have a little screen even in the eye part. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I've seen that. <clears throat> you know, they have, uh, this is <clears throat> a little bit um, racy, I guess, but the uh, there's a there's a part of Bangkok. My friend of mine showed me once. They have women in burqas with the, yeah. exactly what you described. All you can see is their eyes, but they're prostitutes. Oh, and really? They stand, they stand in the street like that, covered, fully covered with only the eyes, but they're working as prostitutes. Um. Now the traditional ones, they they're not. They're usually <laughs> hidden away, and they're not. I mean, you know, like Dubai and other places, they're very strict about not wearing their headgear. And then usually the women stay indoors uh, outside of the company of men. So like they can, you know, even their husbands at home, it's fine. But once they enter the public, they're hidden away, like of all sorts. But I mean, all that stuff is changing. And I think for some of it, for the better, because it was a little bit too crazy and repressive. You know, like there's yeah, one, honestly, yeah. but there's another when it becomes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the real problem is the human heart, right? The yeah. the lust. And they're trying to prevent lust and all, they're trying to prevent adultery and all kinds of problems because it does cause problems, right? All this uh, stuff. And it, even the, you know, the church I go to there, there's a, there's a family of uh, people from, I think it's Pakistan. And the women do the whole head covering thing, so they kind of look like Muslims, but they're at the church, right? So they're they're Christian, but right. they dress they dress that same way, and they're you know they're being women are being modest and covering themselves up, and it's which you know on the opposite spectrum, there's women who go to the church that are pretty race, you know they're they're like they should cover up a bit more, I think. Uh, yeah, it's like it's not a fashion show here, you know. You don't you don't have to dress all sexy when you go to church because that's distracting. <laughs> it is distracting for the men. You know oh, what I mean? Yes. It's like the last thing you want to do, you're going to church and the last thing you want to do is like start thinking about that, that hot girl in aisle three, yeah. you know, it's like, <laughs> well, it's also becoming the new well, right? So people, young people go there to meet. Other it is. Yeah. A lot of people go to church for, uh, you know, maybe not the best reason necessarily. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. But that's okay. I mean, if you have a certain faith and you, you know, you want to find a partner, especially for a younger mm people that go to all these churches they should be looking you know that's well so that's yeah well some people go there only some people go oh, there yeah. only for that right. and they're not really believers you know what i mean and oh, I, yeah. I encountered that when i was single i encountered that uh i went to church a bit when i was single well i had a girl i'd go with my my ex-girlfriend and uh she was my girlfriend at the time but these other girls would like come up like you know they i could tell these other girls were there to meet men <laughs> you know but i was with my girlfriend so i but I was tempted quite often to, <laughs> I was like, oh man, I wish I wasn't with my girlfriend, I, you know, but then, but then I'm not going there for the right, you know, I was totally different mindset, you know what I mean? Then church becomes a, you know, 
the well yeah. it becomes a and, and you're going there for the and i think that happens a lot it's a social scene and it's uh it is a social scene you know, maybe it's better than going to the bar or something but you're still not going there to worship god necessarily you know what i mean so well it's just how it's set up i mean it's yeah it's, it's, again it's, it's always the human heart that's the issue right. you know so you know, and you try to put up all these. You become mature into God's word until later, as you experience life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. As a, yeah, when you're young, yeah. When I was young, I just, I just, I didn't know. Control my my brain, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. Uh, all right, so where are we? Rebecca, so she put on the mask. She put on a veil and covered herself. Okay, that's kind of interesting, though. So she sees her future husband, and she puts on the veil. Yeah. It's almost like, like I guess that's a cultural thing. It's like, I don't want him to see me. Thing. It's kind of like sign of respect and some, uh, like, demore. You know, like, she's saying in a way that she's submissing to that expected cultural don't, thing. Uh, don't, don't the... The brides wear the veil too these days, even now, right? The, at the weddings, the the bride, the women wear a veil, right? Yeah, they have, and then they lift it. The modern. It's the same thing. Things. Yeah. Exactly. This this is an ancient Near Eastern thing, actually. I think it's a it's yeah. an ancient cultural thing, and the the pagans did the same thing. Um, it also says something to the man, does it not? Doesn't it? What would it say to you when you have the woman that you just met that you're going to marry? And she's covered in this veil that you have to uncover. Or and you've never seen her face? Yeah. Yeah, I guess there's some symbolism there <clears throat> that, uh, you know, it, it means that she's kind of special. She's just for you. She's uh, right. She's like a like a Christmas like present. Packaging. You're going to open up. Yeah, it's packaged. Christmas present. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, interesting. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... Uh, all right, then the servant told Isaac all the things he had done. So Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. That's good. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he said earlier that he found her beautiful, but I guess it didn't. Well, know. it said she was beautiful. Where? It Did said she, like when when she first went to the well. It said she was oh, beautiful. Okay. Yeah, that's where it said she was beautiful, but it doesn't I, say he thought she. But she probably was to him also. Yeah. So um, there's no comment about what she thought of him. I guess not. Well, she uh, she didn't reject him. Well, she, she put the, she put the veil. She put the veil and I think she put the veil and covered her, her, herself. That's okay. saying I'm going to be his bride. Right. That was the thing. She she dressed up like a bride then, at, you yeah. know. She put the the veil, yeah. And they must have known what that meant back then too. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically like she put on the wedding dress, essentially, right? Yeah. So now, hey, so no, wait, 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 wait. was there a wedding ceremony? No. So they just went into the. They just went and. Uh, Boy, this is a long chapter. Did their business. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they went into what? the tent. There was no. Where's the wedding ceremony? I don't think they needed. There was none. She took the once she decided to go with the servant, like the whole exchange of dowry. That, in a sense, was already the wedding prep. Yeah, and then and then the veil, and then yeah. at some point she would have taken off the veil. And right. now, does it? They went into the tent. Is that 
does that mean they're married at that moment and she became his wife when did she become his wife like at, at what point were they actually considered married was it uh, that I night that would be consummation right whenever that was that was that was the that was when they became man and wife at consummation. Isn't that still true today? Isn't that how it works, even with Western weddings? It's like, well, you have all you go. You have to sign I mean, legal papers, ceremonies. right? And then you but go you, to the wedding thing. But I think under God, I don't think you become man and wife until you sleep with them. Is it not true? What about if you sleep with someone who's? What if you sleep with some person not you met on Tinder? Are you married to them too? I think yes. I, now I come to realize that. So a one night stand is um, you have a one night stand. So you're kind of uh, you're supposed to marry the woman. Then you're married. Yes, you are not are you supposed married? to have sex until you get <laughs> married, right? That's the the. Rule. Or do you, do you are you considered married when you have sex with someone? Yes, I think spiritually, yes. And um, so when you the woman at the well, she wasn't married to all of those guys. She was only sleeping with them she didn't have no, i think she i think well it sounds like she had five husbands and got divorced and then, and then but she's living with one guy now or she or she's sleeping with some guy now who's not her husband okay she had so five maybe, husbands it says it said so maybe yeah. technically you're not a husband or a wife until you do i mean there must be because they did sleep around back then even though you know they weren't really supposed to they had prostitutes back then and stuff that's why paul says you know paul says you know, don't don't sleep with prostitutes because they become you, one flesh, right? right? So something happens. Something happens when you sleep with somebody that's something spiritual, right? And then when we abuse that, we uh, suffer the consequences, right? That's why you know everyone. Our culture these days, uh, you know, nowadays it's all about the LGBTQ stuff, but before that, it was all about promiscuity. You know, heterosexual okay. promiscuity was kind of. Uh, the the cultural thing they 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 indoctrinated still rampant us with. now you know what they used to say still, that, yeah. that teenagers by the time they even become 20 uh many of them have like hundreds of partners before they even yeah. like, get into mid-adulthood you know but there's doesn't really um it doesn't really make you happy you know what i mean no i think you realize that after <laughs> you know after a few they were the thing is, yeah. everyone wants a connection and they want to be loved. You know, that's the bottom, mm. what they're looking for. The problem is the cultural and the society and community, they don't support that idea of one man, one woman uh, relationship. So like... All about, yeah, it's all about me. Yeah, but there me. is... I'm going to use people. Eastern, you know, you're saying how family oriented the Eastern part of the world because there's yeah. repercussions on the Eastern world that never happen here. So like if women, if they were like divorced or before the modern, the last 20 years, if you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend that was looked down upon, you couldn't have boyfriend and girlfriends. You had to be married. Uh. You couldn't get divorced. If you were divorced, you were outcast from the society. So Really, the only safe place for a woman in the Eastern world was to stay married to her husband and belong in that group, because if she didn't, then she's outcast with all of it. So not not only dating, adultery, and divorce, none of those were looked good upon. 
and yeah. there's no secondary yeah. that's true. even though like a lot of people were getting divorced there yeah. is a little bit now but for a while there wasn't like you can't just go look you know how these guys were looking for a suitable wife for isaac you can't just yeah. go look for a suitable husband or or a wife once they kind of went past the marrying age and ended mm. up in the secondary market somehow the secondary market <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's over once that's you're so out harsh of, yeah <laughs> <laughs> like a used car or something. <laughs> Only like a used car. I mean, it's really bad. Like I, you know, one uh family member who like once like there was so much pressure for her to get married before 25. But wow. wasn't able to find one, so it kept getting older and older. And now after 30, it's not even possible. After actually 28, maybe it's not possible. There's there's a show on uh Netflix, uh Indian matchmaking. So you can see all their how they think. You should watch that if you have. Nah, I don't think I'm. Th I don't think I'll ever watch that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll see the mindset of like how they look for their partner and how yeah. it is. Genesis 25, the death of Abraham. So this is the end of the Abraham story, and then 26 begins with. Uh, um, well, it continue. It, 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 we start to head towards uh, Jacob, actually. Uh, and I so yeah. do you want to finish off? Should we uh yeah, let's do conclude, that. conclude yep. Abraham. Yep. This uh, has all the uh the hard, the difficult family names and stuff. Uh all right. So yeah, which you're welcome it, to read all of them. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <clears throat> and I'm I'm not gonna claim to pronounce them right. That's okay. Um then Abraham took another wife. Okay, so is so Sarah died and now he's taken another wife. Right. Right. So he's yeah. not a polygamist. No. Which is right, a so thing. I guess we were thinking that might be. Yeah. Yeah. Like if Sarah hadn't died yet, then that would be the case. But she did die. And um, and he got married to a new wife after that. Uh, even though, although he did have uh, children with his handmaid, the handmaid's tale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but did we ever establish that he even though Sarah was his wife and aside from Hagar, was he allowed to like have mistresses and concubines and all of that stuff? Well, I think if he wanted, I mean, a lot of people did back then, you know? So we don't so, know uh, if, well, it doesn't say he did. So we can't just assume he did. Right. Maybe he chose not to, you know, um, you know, not everyone, not every man wants more than one woman because more women, more problems as the saying goes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right i mean that's it would be it's, it's hard to manage all that right eventually you get a lot of drama and problems so uh you know even he problem? had he had a lot of problems with that other one with his concubine or his uh his yeah his, 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 it was his, his wife's servant basically is what it was right so it's like he had a lot of problems he tried it and he had a lot of problems so maybe he just thought no more As than he that. should. you can't have all these women in the same competition like that you know, hard yeah, but you know, sometimes we want more, right? We always want <laughs> more. You can only drive one car at a time, but people want many cars or many. You can only be in one house at a time, but people want more houses. <laughs> like Jay, people Lam want more women. Yeah, cars. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Solomon, you know, Solomon uh, collected women. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a you know, 
a young, especially younger men, you know, when I was younger too, it's like, you're always kind of looking for more. You always want more. It's, it's yeah, that's that means even if you love that woman, like I'm sure Abraham loved Sarah. Yeah. So I don't think he, you know, we can't, we can't just assume he had, I think you know, it doesn't sound, he was a righteous, he was declared righteous. Yeah. I don't think he looked for any other women as long as he had Sarah, except Sarah even made though, him with Hagar. But I don't think that was he, Sarah's idea. Yeah. And that was yeah. Sarah's idea. Really? So he I don't think to his he wife. was looking. Yeah. So he found another wife after his wife died, whose name was uh, Keturah. And she bore to him Zimron, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. So one, two, three, four, five, six. So he had six more children. Yeah. After Isaac with a different, but see, these are not really the, you know, these are really not the, uh, they're not nothing real special about them necessarily, right? They're not part of the main story. They don't even um, get referred to as sons like Isaac and Israel. Yeah. They yeah. Isaac like, gets the inheritance. Um, right. He's like the the chosen son, really. Jokshan was, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, every time they refer to as sons, it, they don't include all the sun only the two so it's almost like they're mm. invisible they don't they don't even count it's almost like there's always like the one special child in the yeah. bible you know <clears throat> uh jokshan was the father of sheba and dedan the descendants of dedan were the asherites the letushites and the lumites the sons of midian were epha epher hanok Abida and Elda, all these were the children of Keturah. So the people reading this pr originally probably knew these people, these groups of people, right? These these were probably known to them. They're like, ah, these people are descendants of Abraham from yeah. a different uh, mother. Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac, but to the sons of the concubines. Oh, his concubines. There's a plural S there. <laughs> you see that? Yeah. So, so there, there is a clue. That he had mistresses <laughs> or concubines. There's but he an married, S. He married, oh, he took, so it was another wife plus the concubines, right? He was wealthy. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, that's what it, it says. There's an S right there. That's all I know. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> they're not prostitutes, though, are they? They're, what are they? No, no, they're like, they're like, uh, mistresses. They're basically kind of like wives. They live, they, they're like wives, maybe like the second tier wives or um, mistresses. Yeah, maybe these days you'd call them a mistress. I think they were um, mistresses. That but they, but they're, they're different than, they're not same as prostitutes. They right. they did, they were just with him. They were like his girlfriends, but yeah. they lived, probably lived, you know, he took care of them. And they were probably uh, kind of, uh, you know, official members of the household somehow. Yeah. Um, so he had the sons of his concubines. So that means in addition to that wife that is named in the previous paragraph, he had other concubines. I'm sure he did. So now, did he have other concubines while Sarah was still alive? I'm sure he did. Does I don't think he just said, oh, she's dead. Let's go get a whole <laughs> hair on. I think he always had it. Yeah, so that, and maybe that was the cultural norm. It kind of still is, and a lot. Of, I mean, maybe that was the cultural norm, uh, especially a wealthy guy who had lot. He had servants. He had. Uh, animals, so why blame all the men today that well you know like the wealthy one let's just say they want like a hundred of them why blame them because it's the same thing 
Yeah. I mean, it's, um, if they can kind of afford it, if they're taking care of these women, these women are getting, you know, they, they're kind of going along with it. They're getting taken care of. Right. They're getting treated, uh, well, maybe better than if they were with some other guy. Yeah. I think it was almost a way of to take care of a lot of women, especially the wealthy men that were able to provide them, you know, rather than, so if the household said, yeah, you know, this man is wealthy, we'll take care of you. And then you're a mission like, okay, sure. Why not? And it allows them to have more children. Because right. a woman can only have, you know, so many children. So if, if you have more women, you get more children, and that kind of expands your empire a bit, you know. So he may okay. have had already a lot of sons and daughters before Sarah died. It's not really mentioned. Maybe. I mean, maybe. Yeah. It kind of leaves it open, I guess. But uh, all right. So so Abraham gave gifts, and while he was still living, he sent them away from his son Isaac eastward to the east country. So he sent them all away. Why um, did he do that? Well, they don't. He, he he's giving everything to Isaac, so they didn't want him. They didn't want. Maybe they didn't want him to fight or to kill Isaac or something. These are the years of Abraham's life that he lived one hundred and seventy-five years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years, and he was gathered to his people, his sons Isaac and. Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, east of Mamre, the field that Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth. There Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah. After the death of Abraham, God blessed his son Isaac. Isaac lived at Beer Lahai Roy. Um, God blessed his son Isaac. Okay, well, so the sons of Ishmael, so here's uh, Ishmael's... uh, descendants. These are the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's maidservant, <laughs> the maidservant, bore to Abraham. These are the names of the sons of Ishmael by their names, according to the generations, the firstborn of Ishmael, Nebaioth, and then Kedar, Abdil, Mibsham, Mib, Mishma, Duma, Masa, Hadad, Tama, Jeter, Navish, Kedama. <laughs> He had a lot of sons. These were the sons of Ishmael, and these were their names by their towns and their settlements, 12 princes, 12 princes, according to their peoples. So there's 12, just like uh, 12 from Jacob. These were the years of of the life of Ishmael, 137 years. He breathed his last and died, and he was gathered to his people. They lived from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt, as you go toward Assyria. He died in the presence of all his relatives. So he lived much shorter lifespan. Not only is it getting less, but he actually lived less than his father's. And I wonder a little bit, yeah. Uh, how long did uh, Isaac live? Just to compare their years, because uh, Ishmael is from Hagar, so he only lived like 137. And I wonder how old was Isaac when he died. Because he came from Sarah. I guess we'll get to uh, that. I think we'll find out, probably. They usually I bet record, you Isaac you know. was more than Ishmael when he died. More Maybe. Than probably. The births of uh, Jacob and Esau. All right. So now we get into the Jacob story yeah. um, after all that. So these are the generations of Isaac. Yeah. So like this is kind of like a new chapter here. Whenever they talk about these are the generations of somebody who are like in a new a new stage of the story here. 
Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as his wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padan Aram, the sister of to Laban, the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Now that's kind of interesting that Isaac had to Isaac pleaded with the Lord. Yeah. Whereas I don't know if Abraham did that necessarily, right? Um, uh, well, the so promise was given to Abraham that Sarah would conceive, but he never really fully trusted that she was the one. So maybe uh, I guess he believed God that she would, but at the same time. I don't think he had to plead like Isaac doesn't know the promises, what Abraham was given, uh, that all these descendants are still going to come from Rebecca. So I guess when he thought. Well, I think he knows. He, he knows uh, about, he must know about the promises. Yeah. So then it must have been hard for him to think that she was barren then. Yeah. But, it, but you see that kind of, resp that relationship, right? Yeah. Of uh, God has his plan, but yet Isaac still has to ask for it to happen, you know, he's a willing participant. So even even though God may have a destiny for all of us, we're still supposed to pray. And yeah, I think that's a good point yeah. that you have to participate in the blessings that you're asking for. Uh, even though God may have already aligned all of it and knows how it's going to play out, but like, well, what if Isaac never prayed or asked for that? What would have happened? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. God would have done something, you know. He, he, either way, God has to keep His promises, and He needs yeah. people to. He needs to find, you know. He needs to work with certain people. He would have found someone else, I guess, but maybe He chose. You know, Isaac was Isaac was kind of chosen, right, or from the beginning. And so, Rebecca uh, was chosen too. Yeah, so maybe they really can't go against God's will, anyway. You know what I mean? That's that. That's the that's the debate. I think that's the mystery. He granted his uh, prayer. Yeah. I guess yeah. Yeah. Lord granted his plea. But um, he would have anyway, probably, or he would have, uh, you know, somehow, somehow, it was going to happen. Somehow. Well, isn't that how they say that if you pray, <laughs> uh, uh, you pray with, with God's will, like you can't go against it? Isn't that part of the prayer? Like if it's His will, He will grant. Yeah. 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 So in a way, that's yeah. kind of it was probably makes them happy. It pleases <laughs> God when people do that. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but the children, okay. So, but the children. So his wife conceived, but the children struggled together within her, and she said, "If all is well, why am I like this?" So she went to inquire of the Lord. Then the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb." That's interesting. Not just two children, right? Two babies. Yeah. Two nations. So right away, you can see they're gonna they're gonna kind of. Uh, they're going to separate and two people, two people will, it says it right there, will be separated from your body. Two peoples will be separated from your body. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. So it's already so right there. It's God's will. Uh, God, God has chosen the younger. Yeah. Now, now these children were not even born yet. So did they, did they earn that? Did the the younger is uh, Jacob, right? Yeah. Did he earn who, whose name later changed to Israel? So he's really the father of the Israelites, right here. The younger is who the Israelites were named after. Did they 
earn this right to be the chosen seed as they thought they were. No, because God already <laughs> ordained them to be Israelites, his people. And this is what Romans 9 is all about, this this verse right here. This verse is what Paul uses this verse in Romans 9 too. But we can go to that. Let's let's finish let's finish the Genesis chapter first if you want. Because okay. that, you know, how Paul Paul is a little confusing. All right. So now when the time of her delivery came, there were twins in her in her womb. The first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau, which I think means red or something. Yeah. After that, his brother came out. And his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Jacob, I think it kind of means like a, a deceiver, actually. Something like that. Deaver? Something, uh, yes, because because you do see him deceiving people, right? Oh, or yeah. it means oh, some, it's something, something like that. I don't know if that's the best word, but Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. Okay, so this was 20 years after they got married. Because she was barren that whole time. So it wasn't uh, time until God opened up. So she must have, she was 20. So if like, let's say if she was uh, 16 or, or even 20, let's, let's say if she was 20 when they got married. Now she's 40. She was, so yeah. she was pretty old, you know, to, to yeah, be giving birth those, to twins. When they lived almost 200, I don't know if that's even old. No, they lived a hundred. I mean, you know, they're, they're getting close to a hundred these days now in this yeah, generation. But I mean, around I think. this time. Uh, yeah, they're still going over a hundred. It sounds like, and we'll see. I don't know if they tell us. I don't know if they tell us how old Rebecca was when she died. We'll find out, I guess. But uh, so the boys grew. Esau was a cunning. A cunning isn't isn't that the word used for the serpent in the garden? Oh, he's the seed of the serpent. Yeah, <laughs> spiritually, he's, he's the serpent seed. It's right there. He's a cunning hunter, like Nimrod. He's the serpent seed. He's a bad. He's he's he's. He's a vessel of destruction. He's 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 not part of the elect. God didn't choose Esau. Nope. God Why is God just mean? Is is God mean? He just doesn't choose everybody. I thought he loved everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess Esau must not have been with God's heart because it's a spiritual thing. They came out together. Same genetic lines. Same, yeah. That's the point Paul makes, yeah. right? So anyway, we'll we'll see what Paul has to say about this. Um, a man of the field, while Jacob was a calm man. I think this word also means uh, almost. It almost means like righteous. Actually, he was like a righteous man living living in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. Yeah. But Rebecca loved Jacob. So Esau's out there hunting, killing all these animals, eating good food. It's like uh, carnal pleasures, right? Pleasures of the flesh. You know, it, I mean, you know, it's, not, it's good to eat. You know, eating good food is always nice. But he's kind of like, uh, that's his favorite son because of what he's doing for him. But Rebecca loved Jacob, who was a... Uh, well, they a, a picked their favorites. Yeah. yeah. One son Isaac loved, the other son Rebecca loved. And imagine the conflict in that house when... They're both not equal, you know, and it shows in the next storyline what happened. I don't know. I don't like that part where Rebecca only loved Jacob and didn't seem to care for the other. Like she's scheming with him to take away the birthright and blessings, which I know that we talked about before where it's part of 
God's destiny anyway for them. But at the same time, they're uh, schemers and liars. Yeah, and I don't think they knew. I don't know if they knew that God had chosen. Well, no, they did. God told. See, God told Rebecca that the younger would, that the older would serve the young. Yeah, God told Rebecca kind of what was going on with these two kids. Um, so maybe that's part of it. Maybe uh, you know, maybe that's part of it. Um, oh, you Esau know what? Sell, Yeah. That's a good point, because she already knew that the older will serve the younger. Yeah. Is that why she loved Jacob more? I mean, that could be part of it. She, it was a prophecy, right? She's, she, she has this divine revelation about the future of these twins. Yeah, but she's choosing the stronger one than the other. So I think knowing that ahead of time, like she just thought <laughs> with like the one that was going to be stronger and over the older one and maybe you know he's he's younger well he's they're not really you know they're the same age really if you think yeah. about it one came out like three seconds ahead of the other <laughs> <laughs> but technically he was the eldest and that was a very yeah. important concept with we, we get into the you birthright still, thing you still need the firstborn so yeah yeah so that was his birthright he had he was the firstborn and, and he was supposed to get all the you know the inheritance and all that stuff just like isaac did um, and and the and the story of God making His kingdom on earth through Abraham, it probably you know in the worldly sense it was supposed to go through Esau because he was the eldest, right? The 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 family line continues through the eldest son, but here God again God does things differently. He uses the younger, and he's probably weaker, right? He's not as physically strong. It sounds like, but he's mentally, uh, you know, he's kind of clever. He's also clever. It says Esau was cunning, but uh, Jacob is pretty cunning as well. Yeah. You know, and his mother. As a people, though, he, Jacob was stronger than the Esau people. Yeah. And Esau became Edom. The Edomites were yeah. basically kind of... Um, Which God hated the Edomites, un, too. Yeah. They were kind of evil people, I guess, according to the Bible. They were not, uh, you know... But were, she, she didn't love one of the kids. Maybe that has something to do with it. Well, does it say that? No, maybe it, but she maybe, loved but, Jacob. But maybe yeah. she didn't love Esau, yeah. So that, you know, maybe, like he was unloved by her in a way. Well, we're speculating. So, But we do know that one loved and the other one loved the other. So Yeah, not, Isaac loved Esau. Yeah. Because of what he did for him, really. <laughs> you know. Because of, because of the food. He loved the food that he... He loved the food Esau brought back for him. Really. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Esau is kind of like an angry young man, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe right. you can bring food to your parents to get love that. <laughs> Here's a bowl of soup. Yeah. So, so now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was famished. I think there's other words used. I think Esau was injured somehow. He was not well. So Esau said to Jacob, please feed me some of that red stew, the red stew, for I am famished. Therefore, his name was called Edom, which also means red or something like that. And then Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. Esau said, look, I'm about to die. Of what use is the birthright to me? So I'm about to die, right? So, he so Esau sick. I think he thinks he's about to die. I think he was exhausted. You know, there's different words you could use for that. Uh, uh, the King there. James Version said he was faint. So something. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he's not well. He's sick. Yeah, it looks like he's sick or something. He's not well, and maybe he was felt like he was about to die. And and the stew, you know, maybe helped save his life. Even who knows, you know. But uh, I'm sure it did. Um, but Jacob, Jacob, it. Jacob could have just given him the stew to help him out. But he said, <laughs> first, give me your birthright." <laughs> So I, I've never understood why blame him for doing that when he's practically dying and he's hungry and he's asked at the same time to give away the birthright when really his focus is on trying to survive that day. I think it's kind of mean. I mean, what what if that happened? Yeah. What would you do? Well, yeah, Esau was kind of put in a in a tight situation, right? He thinks he's dying and... Um, and then his brother says, first, sell me, sell me your birthright, and then I'll give you this food. But if you don't do it, I won't give you the food, and you'll die. So, so yeah, he was. ever concerned with, like, your wealth and your all your things when all you really need is to stay healthy and eat something? You know what I mean? And, yeah, and, yeah, he thinks he's going to die anyway, so he doesn't need his birthright anymore. So that's what he says, right? Look, I'm about to die of what use is the birthright to me. See, they don't really tell us exactly what was wrong with Esau, but uh, ESV says he was exhausted. Um, I think some of the later Jewish tradition, they they do try to fill in the details, but you never know <clears throat> how accurate those are. Sometimes they just make stuff up, you know. But uh, yeah, I don't trust in any of that. <laughs> I think you're saying that he was faint. That means, you know, like I, the only one thing I could think of is that his blood sugar was so low, like he had. Oh, that. that's true. Yeah, that could be it as well. Yeah, yeah. That, like he was hungry. He was out in the field right. hunting, and he hadn't eaten for a while. Right. Um, that's that's possible. I think there are some Jewish legends that say he was injured. He was, you know. Um, but either so, way, uh, it's not yeah. the right time to be thinking about giving away your birthright. But Jacob took advantage of that, right? Which Yeah, he did. He did, yeah. yeah. Then Jacob said, swear to me this day. So he swore to him, and he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. But see here, they kind of blame Esau for it, right? Yeah. Esau just did not, he did not um, hold on to his birthright. He sold his birthright. He kind of he kind of uh, didn't respect his 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 father or his uh, or even the plan of he didn't he disrespected God to a certain degree. Oh, one of my lights just went out. He disrespected God. Oh, it's kind of dark, isn't it? Hold on. How's that? <laughs> Sorry, it's a little too dark now, but uh, that's all right. I think the battery went dead. Um, I could, uh, no, I don't know how to do that. That's all right. You're okay. We, we got like the last. Oh, yeah, the battery. Um, so they blame Esau for this. Esau despised his birthright. So that must have, he must have despised it even before he was hungry. Cause that's what it kind of sounds like. Like he didn't care anyway. Yeah. Yeah. He's not, it sounds like his character is a bit off, but, you know, but also uh, maybe this is God's will again for it to play out this way. Um, but then really, really it becomes official. See, he kind of sells it now. He kind of surrenders it. But I think it becomes official with those blessings with his, uh, father when is when isaac is blind and then jacob kind of um, deceives him again so i don't know if that's really when it it really kicks in because esau almost still expects to get the blessing though. of the firstborn 
Is that in the next yeah. chapter? That story? Yeah, that is in the next chapter. But I think it's okay. two different things, the birthright versus the blessings. He already made the contract with Jacob that that's a contract. Give me your sell me your birthright and I will give you food. So that in itself, once he did that, that's binding that he already took the birthright. The blessing that came later just kind of confirms all of the stuff that without the father's blessings, it would not even matter. Like what the life of Esau and the life of Jacob would not have progressed without the father's blessing. So he's, Jacob still would have owned the birthright because that's by contract, but he would not have prospered like he did, like according to how Jacob blesses him in the next chapter. Wow. Now, do you want to talk about uh, Romans 9? Because uh, Romans 9 does apply to exactly what we just read. If you go to verse 6, go to that next paragraph there. So this is Paul, Romans 9, Romans 9 to 11 are all about, um, Romans chapter 9 to 11 are all about the the kind of the fate of Israel, and yeah. and Israel rejected Jesus, right? Some Not not all of them, some of them did, uh, most of them did, most, most of Israel rejected Jesus. So Paul is like, what's going to happen to the Jews, basically? And um, so verse 6, go up, scroll up a little bit if you can there, uh, Romans, oh, that's verse 6 there, okay. All right, so we'll start at verse six. It is not as it is not. Is that the right verse? Um, yeah, it is not as though the word of God has failed, for they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel. So that's you know that's like one of these things theologians are still debating. What is what does this mean? You know, <laughs> yeah, like who is Israel? Who is Israel? And what's going on here what's he talking about now he's all israel and then at the end of chapter 11 he says and this is how all israel will be saved and it's just uh you know in fact i've been studying this in the new testament class i'm taking now it's uh it's difficult it's a really difficult uh romans 9 to 11 in fact the the, the teacher the scholar bible scholar who's written book many books on romans he said uh this is the most difficult part of the book of Romans to uh, Why? to to interpret Romans nine to eleven because it's talking about um, the difference between the you know the Jews and the Gentiles and what's going to happen. Basically, it's like what's going to happen to the Jews. They seem to did God reject the Jews, but it, or did the Jews reject God? Is this are they done? Is God done with the Jews now? No, is that story over? Nope, it's not. I think okay. later on somewhere it says that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's that's the point. Is that they're not totally done with. The, he's not done with the Jews, but there there's a certain thing playing out here. So so all right. So so not so not all. See see the Jews are like they're eth they're ethnically Israelites, right? They're ethnic Jews. Well, they're one so, tribe. So Israelites are well, the, one of the yeah. twelve tribes. Judah yeah, is yeah. where the Jew Jewish yeah. line comes yeah. from, right? But they thought they're all elect. They all thought they're the chosen seed they because of their ethnicity. Yeah. But he says right here, not all Israel. They are not all Israel who are descended from Israel. Yeah. Who, who's Jacob? Yeah. They're not actually. You, you're not. You're not the chosen seed, even though you are ethnically of that seed. You're not just like those other sons of Abraham or the Ishmael. So let's keep reading. No, are they all children, children of God, I believe. No, are they all children because they are descendants of Abraham, right? 
Yeah. But in Isaac shall your descendants be called. So there's like God chooses certain people and he does not choose other people, even though they're all children of Abraham. They're all but, Israelites, but not all Israelites are chosen. But that's the whole point of that. It's not by genetics. It's by spirit. Yeah. The Jews thought it was genetic. Yeah. And they still do. They still do. They still do. Yeah. Well, that's Jews, the whole thing. Some, yes. So some Jews believe like they somehow they are some Jews believe they were there at Mount Sinai somehow. <laughs> Have you heard that? Have you heard about that? What's that all? Oh about? yeah, yeah, yeah. They, no, I don't know the I mean they they were there. They themselves living today. Yeah. They were also there on Mount Sinai when the 10 commandments were were given How to can Moses. They say that. You That's what they believe. Their descendants. That's their belief. Or? No, they themselves were personally there somehow. Well, that's crazy. I don't know. I have it's it's documented. This is what they believe. Maybe not all of them, but some of them believe this. So they have a lot of different beliefs, right? And it's based well, on they, must think that they are they, they're descendants of Abraham. They're wow. the chosen race. They're the chosen race. We are their slaves. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. That's what they believe, right? So, uh, but Paul, Paul, who was a Jew, right? Uh, he was yeah, a real so Jew, was right? Jesus. Yeah. So Paul is saying this. That's why P Paul was so persecuted because he's telling the truth, right? So well, those Paul who are realized that once Jesus came and you know shown himself to him, that this was all in the spirit and not no longer in the flesh. Exactly. Yeah, this is main chosen, point. Yeah. You know, that just because yeah. you the Jews are saying that whatever try, but it's no longer about that. So he tried that's, to yeah. confront them and they said no, you know, we're not gonna have any same of with Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. they killed Jesus and they uh they put they beat up Paul and put him in jail. And even um, Jesus was telling them the same thing, like it is yeah, no longer yeah. by your works no longer by your keeping all the laws is no longer by your genetics it's all about me and what you you know the spirit the spirit that's connected to jesus yeah and that's why they come, right? it's it's hard right it's hard for people who believe they're superior to admit they're not right, right. so it's understandable why the jews want to hold on to that because they think they're yeah. superior everyone wants to feel superior to other people somehow right so this and financially, the, they were making a lot of money with that system too. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The religious. Uh, yeah. But it, so, it's verse eight, he says it right here. Verse eight. So those who are the children of the flesh are not the children of God. Jesus says the same thing in John somewhere. It's amazing. Yeah, he says you guys don't even know God. <laughs> you're you're the children of Abraham, but you don't know God. God doesn't know you. Something like that. Right. So. Uh, you are not the children of God. Wow. You're I, descendants of Abraham, but you're not the children of God. So Paul is not making any friends here. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also telling them directly because as we notice everything in Genesis that we read so far, it was always faith and then acting out in concert with God to carry out whatever the plan was. So by the time, you know, in Romans when they're talking about it, they no longer were connected with God the same way. They weren't following his ways, his commandments, his statute, his laws, like he said earlier, like Abraham did all those things. So I think that was 
a big part of it, that they separated themselves away from actually following God, but then they became more legalistic in what they were doing. Yeah, and then it says here, but the children of the promise are counted as descendants, right? Children of God, the children of the promise, which Jacob was the child of the promise, Isaac, but Esau is not the children of the promise. So so this is the word of the promise. So for this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah will have a son, right? God chose that. Okay, so let's keep going here. Not only that, but Rebecca, Rebecca, who we just talked about, also had conceived by one man, our father Isaac, for before the children had been born, having done, so this is talking about Jacob and Esau, having done neither evil nor good, so that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but through him who calls. It was said to her, the elder shall serve the younger. You know, um, Esau shall serve Jacob. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Wow. I mean, that goes, Carrie, that kid was born to be hated then. Although hated might be a stronger translation than it needs to be. Um, I, think, I think it means chosen, really. I think it's Jacob I have chosen and Esau I have not chosen. That could be another way. Um, no, I think the hate is there because I remember that always, that part. Well, that's, but it was written in Hebrew. Here. So, <laughs> then, well, yeah, but the King James, uh, James Version also said, Esau, I have hated. I always remember um, that. So I think it's probably accurate. That's Malachi 1, verse 2. Can you head over to Malachi chapter 1, verse 2 and 3? This He's quoting the Old Testament here, actually. So uh, verse 2, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord, yet I have loved, yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated, and I have made his mountains a desolation and left his inheritance for the jackals of the desert. <laughs> oh, I think he goes on for a long time. We don't have to read any more, really. But uh, so Why this is uh, so much. Well, it could be also be talking about Edom, the Edomites in general, right? Because they think of these yeah. these people. These are like the fathers of uh, different nations here. So, uh, well, he goes on. Like he goes. This is you know Old Testament prophets who are you know they just uh, they condemn certain people quite. Uh, strongly quite quite often you know um well people always say god loves everybody which is not true well right? yeah apparently apparently it's not true at all yeah yes. in fact in fact that's what romans 9 goes on to talk about all right so old testament quote let's go back to paul in romans 9 poor esau <laughs> <laughs> that was his destiny in the womb that's why i don't i don't get this part of, i mean i get what God is doing, and maybe he was wicked, all of that. I get all of that. But I think it's so uh, fair to be destined to be hated. I, I, and then, I so, uh, I've, so verse 14. But yeah, so like, what do we make of this? So so what shall we say then? Paul says, uh, is there unrighteousness with God? Is, is God unfair? <laughs> I mean, a lot of people think so, right? A lot of people, uh, you know, atheists or whatever, they New Agers, whoever, um, people in the alternative religions, they read the Old Testament and they think, man, God is so mean. <laughs> right? A lot of people say, you know. Um, so, Paul, is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. 
Because if you think about it, like none of us really deserve any mercy, actually, right? Because we're all evil. None of us deserve mercy. Well, I mean, it always shows God is redeeming people, even if they mess up or not doing whatever they're supposed to be doing. But this is one story. It seems like he's this kid was always going to be destined to be hated, not unloved by his mother, and God hated him. And maybe that, like, whatever his outcome is in his life, maybe he would have always been wicked. I don't know. But it seems a little bit not mercy, not compassion. But it's like, all right, I'm going to create two babies. One is going to be, has this destiny. Well, he's comparing him to Pharaoh here next. Basically, he's kind of indirectly comparing him to Pharaoh. So uh, I will have, but that's a key point though. And that's from Genesis, right? So he he keeps bringing up all these Old Testament uh, uh, quotes that yeah. he uses to make his argument. And they didn't even have a New Testament yet, right? So that's right. all they had was the Old Testament. So, um, so then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs. That means like human works, right? Yeah. We don't earn it, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh... For this purpose, for this very purpose, there's a purpose in not having compassion on certain people. There's a purpose. So this very purpose, I have raised you up. God raised up Pharaoh to be evil, that I may show my power in you. It's like he creates the villain to overcome the villain, right? Like in a movie, like in a James Bond movie, the villain is what makes the movie interesting, (laughs) right? So, and that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. But what if you're the villain? That's the purpose. And then, you know, those people say, well, God doesn't love me. Maybe some of them are right. Maybe, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Or or they have a different purpose. There's a purpose to it, though. Yeah. There's a purpose. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills. And he hardens whom he wills. And we, I think we can see that this relates to 2 Thessalonians 2. He blinds people. People cannot see the truth. Yeah. People take the mark of the beast. Why? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't have mercy on them. Yeah. Well, I to see show that. to show the greatness. He, he there's all this evil in the world, so that he can then show his mercy and show his greatness, just like like the Pharaoh. And then he had, did the Exodus. The Exodus wouldn't be all that meaningful, you know, if there wasn't a great villain. Standing in, you know, to to fight against, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the ex- Exodus story would be meaningless unless the Pharaoh was really evil, you know. <laughs> like creating all the characters, the good ones and the bad yeah. ones, to play out the story. It's exactly. Yeah. If you were a filmmaker, this entire yeah. book would be kind of looked in that perspective as a film. Oh yeah, yeah. You you want to you'd want to have yeah you'd want Pharaoh to be really evil. Um, yeah, but that doesn't. So, uh, so I guess if you were born as a villain, then that's your destiny. You're well, I mean, maybe we're, wrath and mercy of God. So let's continue. This is a really interesting chapter here. Yeah, you will then say to me, "Why does he yet find fault? For who can resist his will? Rather, a man, who are you to answer back to God? Shall the thing formed say to him who formed it?" It's talking about the potter and the vessel here. He's quoting Jeremiah. Why have you made me like this? Does the potter not have power over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? So God is the potter. He makes some people for honor, for righteousness, for salvation even, 
and other people are made for dishonor. I mean, he's kind of speaking hypothetically, I think, to a certain degree. That's the issue, is how is he being hypothetical or in rhetorical, or is he being, is he saying this is what's actually, it's kind of both, but I think if we keep reading, we'll figure it out. I think he actually does do that. Yeah, yeah, which is, uh, not everyone likes this idea, right? In fact, I think this is uh, Calvinism, isn't it? What they call Calvinism now, which I haven't really read much Calvin, so I don't know if that's, I think this is part of it, that he, you know, the predestination and uh, double predestination is God also chooses people who are not going to be saved in advance. But that's kind of cruel, because then it's like, well, then there's no choice, you know, there's no free will there's no everybody response. has a choice it's just that yeah. he already knows how it's going to turn out well maybe i mean there, it's that becomes all very it, he saw had a choice the, is he did he not have a choice when no he, no he the choice was made in the womb no that part yes but at the moment of i'm talking about individual choices if esau was trading his birthright with the bowl of soup could he have not said mm. oh i want to keep it yeah, I guess so. Yeah, probably. So the only yeah. reason why it's predicted that way is because God already knows how he's going to react. But yet, well, maybe, maybe, maybe. Is yeah. there or it just, or God, God, I think God sometimes intervenes and people do think, I mean, it, the Bible tells us that, right? He hardened yeah. Pharaoh's heart and then Pharaoh, like, like there, there's a reason there's 10 plagues because Pharaoh, his heart was hardened yeah, by God. Yeah, the Bible, he does do that, even when he told uh, uh, Abimelech not to sleep with Sarah and others. But the thing is, I don't, I refuse to think that no one has a choice, that they don't have that individual free will. What's the point then? And we could all just be robots and be <laughs> done with it. Like he's basically he, just yeah. ripped, you know, Mark is born this way. He's going to do this. I'm going to do this. And it's just a script. We're like, we're just playing out our script. That's but not he might not even be talking. He's Because keep in mind, he, Paul here, at least, is talking about the Jews. Like, the Jews are not, you know, not all Jews are chosen, basically. He's, he's, so maybe That's he's not even. See, the, see, theologians want to make a big issue out of certain things where maybe Paul is not even talking about these big issues. He's talking about it. He's, he's making an argument to make a point. Well, that Sometimes. may be, but I think... Oh, yeah. yeah, let's just keep reading to see, see what he has to say. 22, I think. Yeah, yeah, this is really interesting, I find. It's just something, you know, and people don't have to decide right now, but think about it. So what if God... So here's the rhetorical question, right? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction um, in order to make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he previously prepared for glory, even us, whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. So um, it's a bit unclear what he's trying to say there, I think, but um, I think ESV is a little more clear. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. So basically, what if God created some people whose only role in this world is going to be, they're going to be like a villain, basically, and they will be, their, destruction is their destiny. And what if God, what if, he's not necessarily saying God is doing this, but what if he was? Who are we to judge? Well, that's the question that Job kept asking. You know, ultimately he figured out that it's God's 
you know, he can do whatever he wants. So what's, why should we question, you know, his ways, why, you know, why he doesn't do things or does things a certain way. I mean, that, that's the entire book of Job argument with God. Mm. You know? And Satan, Satan is, uh, appears in the first chapter of Job, right? Yeah. Chapter one or chapter two, at the very beginning of Job, Satan, the, the Satan, Hasatan, the Satan appears yeah. and people people want to say satan was part of the divine council i do not believe that actually i have a very contrarian view of satan now i have a, i think i have some original views of this uh, actually I so i have to write my book though. buy my book and you can find out which i have yet to write i have to write it first i think i have a book i think i have a book about this that that is some has some unique ideas so I better not you, disclose. You can read a lot of different books. <laughs> the woman at the well, the happening. That's a song. That's, no, that's going to be a song. <laughs> <laughs> the guy, the guy shows up to the well and plays a song for the woman at the well, like a courtship song. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, my yeah. first book that I did write had to do with all this Potter and clay stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, the journey with God. Wow. Interesting. So I covered a lot of those Potter stuff. You can uh, plug your book right now. Ah, it's hopeless. All my books are there. They all know. <laughs> it's on Amazon. They know which one it is. It, this the sermon last Sunday at church was about that. It was it's a it's a Jeremiah. You know, they, the the sermon was about the potter and the clay. So we are, yeah. you know, we're the clay and God's we have to let God shape us. Exactly. That's you know? exactly what so, my book is about. The, yeah, yeah. Letting, yeah. But but Paul's saying God has created some people to be destroyed. <laughs> Well, he could, yeah. That's part of the, you know, because uh, I think the verses are like he can create some ordinary, some extraordinary, uh, like the potter, and so he could create anything he wants. But I, you have to go in the character of God. Like, what's his purpose? You know, he's not doing villains just to create villains, right? I don't think he created Esau just to be the bad guy. I think the choices of that person, including the Pharaoh. Like he hardened his heart, but it's still Pharaoh's desire to have slavery of all those people, right? He did not want to let them go. So, yes, yeah. he hardened his heart, but at the same time, the characteristic of Pharaoh was that he wanted to enslave those people. He did not want to let them go, and he was going to do everything in his power to keep his empire. And then God came in and said, nope, I'm going to show you who's God. So, it's in conjunction. It's not like one or the other. I think it's just tandem, the way I see it. If that makes but I think, yeah, I think. But again, Paul is talking specifically about the like. Why did God? Why is God now choosing the Gentiles instead of the? I thought the Jews were the chosen race, but now God is choosing the Gentiles, right? So, so Paul's saying God has the right to choose the Gentiles now, right? That's what he's yeah. doing. Um, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles, because the Jews hated the Gen the Gentiles were like the Canaanites, right? Yeah. They, they, I mean, there's the Canaan. They were Gentiles were hopeless, evil people, and now all of a sudden, the, what you're saying, the Gentiles are part of God's kingdom? That's crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, they still <laughs> so, they think Gentiles are nothing. No, so. Yeah. So as, as indeed he said, so that's why Paul's, you know, he's writing the Romans, but he's, he's engaging with the Jewish audience as well. And he's telling them, that, you know, it's not about, it's in fact, some author said, uh, it's about grace, not race. Yeah. he right. It's about grace, not race. So as indeed he says in Hosea, I will, I will call those who are not my people, my people. So I will call the Gentiles, my people. 
they were not my people originally. They were not the Israelites or the seed of Abraham, but, you know, I will call them my people eventually. And her who was not beloved, beloved, beloved. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. Now, um, in the place where it said to them, you are not my people, uh, okay, now that is... Uh, Hosea one ten. He's he's quoting Hosea one ten there. Let me just see what that says. Hosea one ten. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, "You are not my people," it shall be called to them, "Children of the." He's quoting exactly. Yeah. Um, the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together. Okay, so it's kind of one of these. Uh, prophetic end times uh, prophecies really or the prophecy about the kingdom that um well god already promised his biggest promise with abraham was that you will have endless descendants so they couldn't have just been i think you know that's prophetic already that it wasn't just going to be the genetic race it was going to be expanded well yeah but they didn't realize it at the time though yeah. They, they 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 didn't realize how the big picture, how right. big it was, and then so now so he's quoting all these Old Testament prophets prophecies to say, hey, Jesus fulfilled all these prophecies of your own scriptures, your own prophets that you guys didn't understand. So now he's talking to Isaiah. Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of the children of Israel be like the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. Not all of them, right? Yeah. Not all of them. A remnant of Jews shall be saved. Because uh -huh. Jews were really the only ones who, who still remained at that time. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because the Lord will make a quick work upon the earth. And as Isaiah previously said, unless the Lord of hosts had left us a seed, we would have been we, we would have become like Sodom and been like Gomorrah. We would have been wiped out, basically. Um, but God chose a remnant. So um, the remnant. Remnant. How big would that be? Well, a small, a small, uh, small tiny, group. Right? It's like a small. I, I don't know if it's tiny, but uh, yeah, some, some of them, not all of them. So, so let's go to uh, let's 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 finish this chapter a little bit. What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith. But Israel, ethnic Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, did not attain the law of righteousness. Why not? Because they did not seek it by faith, but by the works of the law. For they stumbled over the stumbling stone. It is written, look, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will be, not be ashamed. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. <laughs> they killed yeah, Jesus. That's what I was saying earlier, that they... This right here, they were yeah. not in the works of the law and not by faith, like how Abraham, Isaac, after him, they all followed what God was telling them. And then somewhere along the way, with all the rules that they established, they no longer looked to God directly, but they were looking to the laws themselves yeah yeah and i think his pain point i mean he's in terms of you know he's talking directly about jacob and esau and whoever you know he god god has now chosen the gentiles kind of like he chose jacob whose name was changed to israel and god chooses you know god chooses who uh the elect or god chooses 
you know. So what happens who, to going to be saved? He doesn't choose, but he predestined them not to inherit the kingdom of God. Is all Lord's destiny just a lake of fire? Well, he's. I mean, he asked that question, like, what if God does that? Who are we to judge? You know. Um, some people, okay. some some people believe he actually is saying that that God that is what's happening, and uh, and maybe it is. It it is. It's not a very comfortable idea for a lot of people. Um, but others say, okay. maybe, well, that's just a rhetorical question or a hypothetical question. It, he's not really saying that's actually what God's doing. But he does give examples as if God were doing that. You know, with uh, Pharaoh and even Esau. And, you know, God loved Jacob and hated Esau before they were born. So it wasn't based on their works or their character, nothing they earned. Yeah, so, uh, that's a so difficult for me to grasp, really. But, I th but in context, Paul's really talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. He's trying to make a point. I don't think yeah. he's making a bold, uh, systematic theological statement necessarily. A lot of people think he, like, he's not always laying out systematic theology Sometimes he's just no, trying to explain something. Can, he is talking to the Jews, but I think you can learn or put this in context of everyone and what happens. So yes, he's well, only yeah. talking to one group of people. Well, he's talking to both. He's talking. He's really, really his point in uh, chapter ten and eleven. He's saying the Gentiles, the Christian Gentiles, should not be proud and think they've replaced. The Jews. Oh, yeah. They have not replaced the Jews. Nope. And then he, his main conclusion at the end of chapter eleven is the Gentiles are now kind of being, you know, the Gentiles are being um, are, are coming into the kingdom now, but the Jews will also some, you know, they'll there there'll be a remnant of Jews also in the kingdom. So it's both. Yeah. Both the kingdom of God will 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 be full of Gentiles and and Jews. Right now, the Jews are generally not coming into it. But eventually, some of them will. So yeah, it's like he, he, they're supposed to be the yeah. vine, and we get grafted in. Yeah, yeah, that, that's where. Yeah, he's talking about all that stuff. So it's 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 a bit complex to to unpack that, and there's a lot of different views yeah. and debate about that. But I think what I believe now is he's he, all he's really saying is that God hasn't totally cut off the Jews completely. So he's trying to give a bit of hope for for the Jews, like yeah, eventually some of them will will come and come around to to believe in Jesus. I think so the, I but think the Gentiles haven't totally replaced them completely. But the the true Israel now, the real Israel, are the believers in Christ, right. who consist of Jews, who anybody, any human being who believes in Christ is uh, is 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 the real Israel, and Jesus was really the real Israel, the Son of God. Yeah. So anyway, that's his whole thank, point, I think. Thank God for that, that we all were able to come in. <laughs> and it wasn't just by the chosen line. Yeah. Know? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's grace, not race. Maybe that that's kind of his point, I think. And uh mercy, you know, God and it's up to God really, um at the end of the day. But yeah, I think there we have to leave room for the human response as well. And, uh, yeah, because I you know. if it's just robotic, then no, it's not. Yeah, because you see that throughout the Bible too, right? It's yeah. people the way the way we respond and behave is is important as well. I think that um, matters on how we respond, whether we go with the call of God or we reject it. Maybe that's part of why He doesn't choose certain people. Yeah, it's it's a bit. Uh, 
I think I think we don't know exactly how it all works completely necessarily because because the human mind can you know we think of this or that but it's kind of both you know but yeah. it's it's mainly God I think mainly God's will but um, God does respond to our prayers and uh, you know we're supposed to participate um, somehow I guess <laughs> but uh, I but I don't even know if that was really Paul's main point anyway but uh i don't think it has to be his main point like we can follow the story but ultimately this whole thing is a piece of puzzle that we're connecting to really what it's saying in the end right yeah it helps us understand why did why did god choose jacob and not esau why did god choose isaac and not ishmael that kind of thing there are certain because people who are kind of chosen to play a role. The people are chosen to play a role. Why did God harden Pharaoh's heart? And actually, and, uh, you know? we can learn something from Ishmael's story. He was not, he just happened, but that was never God's plan, right? So I mean, God had a lot of mercy, showed mercy on Ishmael. Yeah, but like he did not, as a potter and a clay scenario, he did not create Ishmael just for that purpose because he was never meant to be in the picture but after humans made that choice he honored uh, mm. abraham's blessing onto him anyway yeah yeah so you yeah. can't just say that oh ishmael was always predestined to be on earth and god was going to carry him out as whatever because that was i think that shows exactly that humans do have a role to play in their destiny. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this goes back to Genesis three fifteen. The uh, the 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 seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent, and the seed of the woman. Really, Paul says, in, you know, in different passages, uh, that's Jesus actually, and through him, then we are also kind of that seed through Jesus, um, crushing the head of the serpent. That's maybe like the whole meta narrative right there. Yeah, um, Jesus will crush uh, Satan's. Jesus will overcome Satan, will kill Satan. Which he has, and, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and it gets pretty deep. Um, yep, so yeah. next time we'll dwell into more of this stuff. So I, I, it's really good that you're making all these connections <laughs> from New Testament to the Old Testament. And well, yeah, well, they, they, yeah, I mean, that's what they do. That's what... The New Testament writers, they are constantly going back to Genesis, really, right. as we've seen, right? So, But you're making it uniquely where we're actually are able to follow both old and new together. Whereas yeah, hopefully, you know, yeah, hopefully it, people uh, like it. I mean, some people don't do that, but maybe I think we should do that. Oh, definitely. Right? I think it's, it's only starting to make more sense as we're doing that. If not, yeah. You know, you tend to forget what was even happening in the beginning by the time you get to this. And then you're like, okay, it was there somewhere. But now it's actually. Well, yeah. I think because I just had a, I just finished an Old Testament theology class and they, they're constantly looking at the New Testament. And then I, I'm now I'm taking a New Testament theology class and we're constantly looking at the Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're taking all these classes now. So it is one book. Well, the thing, what happens sometimes is we do an episode, and then like the next week, I learn more about that passage than what I knew during the episode. And I always think of things after we finish that, oh, I should have said that, or I should have pointed this out. Maybe we should figure out a way to sync it with what you're actually learning. Well, the thing is, yeah, well, I think it all it all relates. So sometimes it it's exactly what I'm um, studying at that moment is what we're talking about. But well, that's uh, great because yeah. you have all that knowledge to good use. 
Although the rest of Genesis, uh, probably not so much. <laughs> I <laughs> like those stories. I'm going to make you like them. So we'll just have to keep going. I usually stop reading about, about oh, right, right about now. It's like, okay, that's enough of Genesis. Let's go how on to Exodus. Not, <laughs> how can you not be fascinated with the Leah and Rachel drama? I'm fascinated with all that. Plus, that, well, all the stuff yeah. that they did to Joseph. Good God. I mean, they all... Like treated them like crap. All the I like the uh, Jacob's ladder story. I think that's cool. That's coming up really soon. Maybe the next episode, even or the next one, the, one of the next episodes. Uh, Jacob's 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 ladder. Um, I think that's a really interesting thing. So I'll I'll have some comments on that one. I think perfect because I don't know much about Jacob's ladder, so that'll be good. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks a lot. All okay, right. I'll talk Bye. to you later. Bye.